While back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, November the 4th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. On the line with Mr. Steve Say. How do? And joining us is Ms. Mara Wood. Mara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, funny enough, after all the talk last week about Bobby being fired, Somebody isn't on the podcast this week. <laughs> Very suspicious. Uh, I think it's because she chose the book of the week. Yeah, she did. Well, she did choose the book of the week. So yeah. she's like, see you later, suckers. <laughs> um, I chose the book of the week. Now I'm out of here. Uh, no, Stephanie is, is not with us this week. But uh, Was she fired? Yes, she was fired. Okay. We're not, we're, but but I, I, can't, I can't give you the details yet because it's under NDA, so I can't, I can't uh, let you know. But um, more, more details to come. No, Stephanie will be back with us uh, next week. Um, but uh, this week we are going to talk about Art Ops number one, uh, Sean Simon and um, Mike Allred. So that'll be that'll be a fun a fun time to talk about a new Vertigo book. So we've had a couple of Vertigo books we talked about in the in the last few weeks. Um, I don't know what you guys talk about on what I call now the Lost episode uh, <laughs> that happened last week. But <laughs> and then uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, Stepan Sejus Sejus Sejus. Not only does I can't say the name, I don't know how the hell I can say it and do the possessive of it. Shayishish. Um, uh Death Vigil. Mr. S. Yes. Mr. S. Death Vigil Volume One is is what we're going to be speaking of. It's a, it's a, a a large, a lengthy tome of of a trade. Uh, eight issues um, from Top Cow and Image. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine, I think. <laughs> Twenty four ninety nine on the book, but yes. selling most places. Nineteen ninety nine yes. and or under. So but worth it, definitely yes. worth it. And we'll talk about yeah. that later. There's, we have a lot to talk about Death Vigil. Um, uh, I will say that I think that I will say thank you in advance to all the people who talked about it a year ago. <laughs> yes, uh, Cara, Benedict, yeah. uh, Jason, all these people who got us started on the, our forum saying, "Hey, you should be checking out this book." Yes. Boy, were they right? They were very, very right. And we will definitely get to that. Funny story about picking this book up was um, when I, when we were supposed to talk about it last week uh, before I was I, I wasn't here for my. Um, my my anniversary, which which was wonderful, uh, I I was like I gotta find it, and it's a long thing. I want to make sure I get early in the week, so I was calling around to all these different comic shops. I went to the big one, Fourth World, by you know where we mm-hmm. live and everything, and they usually have everything, and they did not have it. They, they the, the guy was first of all was like, oh, I don't think it came out this week, and I was like, no, it came out this week. I know it came out this week. Uh, it actually came out last week, so I I, I really I I know it's out. Um, but he, he still doesn't have coming. it, by the way, because I was trying to pick one up. Oh, as really? Jefferson. Still didn't have it on Saturday. Yeah. So I went there, and they were like, oh, you know, he's been checking around. He's like, you know what? We got some. Most of them sold out, and then we had two left, but those two were damaged. So we had to send them back. So they didn't have any copies of it. Uh, I called another place around here, 
Uh, they didn't have a copy of it. Called another place. They didn't have a copy of it. I finally called one another place that had a copy of it. Um, and but and I had I had maybe an hour of time to go and get it because they were going to close, and I had to go to shoot the the another some stuff from more of the Halloween movie, all this kind of stuff. So I I I ran up there, took the you know GPS coordinates and and mm-hmm. uh, and went to the place where it said it was. There was no store at the oh, place good. in which oh, they said no. it was. Um, so there was like an old storefront. I could see like this used to be comic book stuff. Used to be somewhere in this 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 storefront. So I had to call the place and be like, "Hey, I've never been to your store before." And the GPS took me to a place where there was no store. And he was a little bit. He was like, he kind of laughed at me a little Ooh. bit, <laughs> which I was not mm. happy about. Um, but I was like, okay. Like he's like, "Where are you?" And I was like, "I'm here." He's like, "Oh no, we're we're like you know two miles north of where you are." I know exactly where you wound up. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I. I finally got there. It was near the end of the night. They were like sitting around, like eating pizza, like getting ready to close up. Um, I, it was one of those things where it's a classic comic book, book store thing where I had to kind of walk into the middle of their conversation for them to turn around to like look at me. And they're like, oh, hey, do you, do you need help? And I'm like, yes, uh, I need, I, I called about Death Vigil. Like, oh, okay, great. So they, they, they rang me up. And when he said that he was like 2715. And I had this moment in my head where I was like, "This guy is overcharging me mm-hmm. for the book, because it's maybe because it's not it's it's hard to find and it's in demand or whatever." But I was like, "You know," I, and I didn't say anything. I was like, "You know, I need to get the book. I can't not get the book. I have to read it for, for this week." Um, so I bought the book, and I was already I literally had my phone in my hand, ready to write something snarky on social media, <laughs> when I turned the book over and I saw that it was twenty four ninety nine, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I will not say anything now because I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, but because we'd all been talking kind of all the time about how it was 1999, yeah. so I just assumed that's how much the cover price was. I think it may have been solicited at that price. Who knows? How many months ago they yeah. threw this into the I think ma- that might have been the Amazon price uh, when it had first come out. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it was, but um, it, it, it's anyway. It's worth worth the, the 24.99 it, it, to say that, but. Right, regular image trades that are fourteen mm-hmm. get you six issues. So yes. You get two extra issues and a cover gallery. Yeah, and they're and it's a pretty size. They're pretty sizable issues too. Yeah, and there's, there's I mean, the first issue is like a double. Yeah, double size. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about Death Vigil. Yeah. We got some listener responses about it as well, and okay. we'll make sure you know uh, we're gonna talk about the series in general. We'll do, we'll we will get into nitty gritty about spoilers, but we'll make sure we. Maybe out out after we sort of reviewed the book for you, and and you know whether or not you want to read it or not, but. But there's some because there's some really good character stuff and everything <laughs> that, that you have to get into um, in order to really I think talk about the book in any sort of depth. Uh, but we we'll, we will, we will get to that uh, a little bit later. Um, did you guys talk about again last episode? Did you guys talk about the Supergirl pilot last week? Yes, you did. Yes, jump in, jump in. All right, I know. Obviously, Mara wasn't here, so she can talk about it. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. Mara, uh, come I don't on. Have, I mean, I don't have like cable. <laughs> Mara, it was. It, you can watch the first episode for free on all like the streaming services or whatever okay uh voodoo and stuff like that so check it out but for me i don't know what you guys said about it last week but for me it's there's a ton good about it but i think it has some growing pains to go through as far as finding its footing as a weekly television series uh i I think the her performance is great i think that and i think the ethos and idea behind the show is wonderful you know i i was smiling from from the beginning I, I I said out loud to my wife. I said, "I want to meet this Superman that she's talking about. <laughs> uh, th- that seems so nice and wants to be a hero." Um, so 
I, I like that stuff a lot. I felt like there was a lot in that first episode. You know, we went from her, we, we basically did Superman's origin, Supergirl's origin, you know, uh, you know, the origin of, you know, her whole story about working at this, at this newspaper, at this conglomerate, you know, the, the idea of this whole government setup of people mm-hmm. who work there, the big reveal about her sister, all the, this stuff. It was just a lot of stuff. Yeah, for, for one episode, and it it sets up a lot. It sets up like almost the like the entire roadmap for the first season, which is good. And I I don't know the process behind creating a thing like this. Like, let's just get all the heavy lifting done in one episode, so we can feel free to explore more character stuff after that. Um, and again, the second episode is aired now. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't I can't speak to it. But uh, I definitely enjoyed it. But I I had reservations about just uh the sort of moving parts of, of it moving along as a, as a show mm-hmm. to watch week in and week out. Uh, second episode had a little more air to it, okay. but still jam packed, mm-hmm. create a yes. few more subplots going on. There's an interesting <laughs> training montage. We, okay. we, we have one of those kind of, because she needs to get to be better at being a superheroine. Right. And at some level, I was a little upset. It's like, oh, right away we're going to diminish who she is. Mm. But it really it, it, it points out a great part of her character. So it turned a positive thing out of a what could have been a negative. So it was, I very much enjoyed the second one. I'm I'm still in. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely yeah. going to watch the show going forward. I like the relationship with her sister. I think that's a cool thing. I like that's kind of the center of of, of the the show in in a lot of ways. Um, you know. We certainly don't have any other, you know, female-led superhero shows on TV, and we certainly don't have any other ones that have two female leads at the center yes. of the show that are constantly interacting. So that was really cool. I like that a lot. Um, you know, I-, I think that from the first episode, I think, again, I would like more air in the episodes because I want to spend a little time with her at work or a mm-hmm. more time with her at this kind of paranormal, you know, this sort of extra-normal uh, affairs division or whatever you know i want to spend more time with her sister i want i want to i want to get those scenes you know the the x-men playing baseball or whatever softball scenes i want i want to get stuff like that so that i I can get to know these people a little bit better you know that that's and i think that it it very much follows not not necessarily yet the 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 arrow template but definitely has the flash sort of template to it in in her discovering her powers, not discovering her powers, but using her powers Mm -hmm. for the first time and having a support system of people sort of train her and, and move her up throughout, level her up throughout the ranks. But uh, yeah, the core of it I think is good. I think that there was just some awkward stuff kind of moving it along. Steve, did you see the second episode? I did. And? I thought it was good. I, um, I thought that the, some of the the acting or some of the character traits from Kara this episode um, felt a little bratty to me at times in terms of her of her attitude and kind of biting off maybe a bit more that she could chew. Um, I do like the idea of her having like a support system and getting help from other people. I think that the show is still warming up and she's still finding her wow. her footing. Of course, like we're going through the origins, like Bobby said, of her character and how she becomes what she will eventually be. I like the idea of the emphasis on um, smaller acts of heroism as opposed to the big stuff just yet. And, uh, I mean, I'm definitely in for the season. I think it's going to be one of those shows that by the end of the season, um, there will be a lot of character growth uh, from all uh, sides of the table. Yeah, and I'm hoping, again, I haven't seen the second episode yet, but I'm hoping sort of the villain threat becomes a little bit more 
interesting because the, the problem with the villain to me is it's too much like every other Superman movie that's ever existed mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, your family did something to my family on the planet that got destroyed and now we're gonna we're gonna kill you because of what you did. Like that's sort of the plot of every Superman movie that's yeah. that's that's come out. So I, I I hope that they're able to make something more interesting out of sort of that dynamic. Um and yeah, so the, the, you know, I, I liked it. I like her a lot. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And again, it, there's a lot of fun to be had in the show, so that gets me excited uh, about it. Um, basically, my last night was uh, catching up. I have to catch up on all the superhero shows. So last night was catching up on the Flash. So I watched four episodes of the Flash, mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun. I had a great time with that. Uh, Steve, are you watching the Flash? Yes, I am. So I'm not. There's not any story. Sto- there's some big stuff that's happening. Some crazy stuff that's happening. Uh, you know, uh, some characters that I, you don't know what's going on with them, but <laughs> the the end of the fourth episode, you get to see King Shark, which is like uh-huh. what? like the best thing in the entire world. Very uh-huh. unexpected. Yeah, unexpected. It comes out of nowhere. It just he looked absolutely amazing. He did. He really, like, really they, did. They did a phenomenal job with uh, Gorilla Grodd mm-hmm. from last season, but King Shark. I mean, he. he he doesn't look like a hammerhead like he does in some of the comics, but the level of detail and the 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 production value on just his design, that moment where he shows up, I I left I, my jaw dropped and I <laughs> kind of was like rocketing off of my seat, being like like I had a feeling it was coming. Like why would they bother to tease it if they're not going to deliver on sure. it? But I didn't expect them to do it in that way and to show him. Like Gorilla Grodd, they kind of hid him for a while. You only saw him in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is going to be a thing where like they're going to drag it out for another episode. But you do get to see him in all of his glory, and he looks amazing. King Shark doesn't hide. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I really hope that they do more with him. Yeah. Um, it was after, pretty cool. After this. It was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool moment. Because um, it definitely – because it, it happens in that part of the show. It happens in, like, the stinger of, of, of the show, and you aren't, like, ready for it. You know, it just all because those things always have like a certain, a certain like pace to them or mm-hmm. whatever. And the way it happens, you're like, whoa, because it just it is there. Uh, it, it was very cool, and I I definitely like the the Patty Spivet stuff. I think she's she's a good character mm-hmm. and a good uh, sort of uh, foil for Barry. And I like sort of their budding romantic relationship they've got going on. I've seen the first couple, um, so I'm a little behind. Mm-hmm. Jay depowered still. Yeah, they have, but Jay hasn't been in the last couple episodes. Um, the, the the show, I think, the one criticism I have of the second season so far is that they're uh, they have their one main villain thing they're they're doing, and I like the idea of it. I think it's a cool idea, and I, they're building him much the way they built the you know the Reverse Flash mm-hmm. in the last season, which I like. Um, but the elements that they're piling on, I think, I think they're juggling a few too many things right now. Um, I feel you know Jay is sort of in and out of the the show. Which is fine, except it doesn't make sense for his current state. Like he basically, all he has is them. He has no yeah. powers. He's in a place he doesn't understand or know, and it doesn't make sense for him not to be in an entire episode. Except for like, we just didn't have room for you in this episode. So you know that that stuff is a little bit weird to me. But I mean, there are rumors of other Earth Two characters. Yes. down the road. So yeah. maybe there'll be more for him to do. But in the meantime, you could tease those. Just yeah, the, I, I feel like that that has been a little bit underserved, but. Uh, it has been cool to see him. I, I love that his origin is the same origin from the books. Yeah, He's experimenting on hard water. I think that's that's great. I uh, love seeing him in the full costume for that one time we got him yeah. in the full costume. That was really neat. Um, and I like his. Obviously, he's not um, 
you know, as old as the kind of, you know, the Earth 2 character, the Justice Society character, but he's got a more mature presence, I think, than Yeah, definitely than in his does. 30s. Definitely in his middle to late 30s. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I like that about that a lot, that too. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they do with, with that character and how, how, how they go forward with, with all of that. But yeah, and I loved the Captain Cold episode. I thought that was great. Uh, Did you like the science behind him getting through the uh, lasers? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's one of the most comic book moments I've yes. seen on television yet. Yeah, he freezes the lasers with the cold gun, <laughs> yes, and then just walks through happened. them, and just walks through them. Not you can't freeze light. Make any sense. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I told you I had a better way to get to the lasers, which I think is great. Um, In case you forgot, it was a comic book TV show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I, I really liked okay. the uh, Firestorm episode as well. I thought that was really good. Have you caught up with Shield? I have not. Shield is Shield and Arrow are next on my docket. So this week I will catch up with both of those. Uh, okay, I just caught up with Shield last night, and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely my my favorite season. It's got about five episodes to it so far. Um, they've really turned it around on a show where where the the characters needed a lot of development before you would really like be connected with them and care about them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're doing things in this third season where I'm more interested in like the core team than I am in what's going on in like elsewhere in the show. And that show has always been the opposite, but they've, they've built this season around really making you care about the core team. And the, the show is actually pretty awesome now. Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I, I love the first episode. I just have not gotten a chance to catch up. It gets better. It's Mara, awesome. Mara, I heard you laughing along with the flash comments. Are you watching the flash? I am in, indirectly. Like if it's on, <laughs> I'm going to watch it and I really enjoy it, but I don't like, there were a couple episodes of the first season I missed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a casual fan. Gotcha. How about that? Gotcha. Like that. Okay. All right. I've uh, been enjoying it, though. Cool. Um, I know they, I, I didn't watch it yet. I know the Preacher trailer premiered yesterday. Oh. Uh, but I have not watched it yet, so I, I can't say anything about it. And I don't know anything, really much about the comic. I just, I'm excited to see what what they do with it, because the idea of it sounds very cool. And, and it's, I'm more interested as a, as a kind of, watcher of tv news and development because that they've been trying to make preacher into a television show for i think about 10 years at this Which point Which network is running this amc wow it's amc um it yeah it's a very adult comic book yes very adult it was supposed to be hbo for a while yeah. and then it got scrapped there and they moved over but uh mar were you gonna say something um i was gonna say like didn't sales of preacher on amazon go way up after that trailer mm-hmm. i'm sure okay. yes <laughs> yeah it made it to their their top sellers list Okay. Uh, like overnight, I, I'm sure. Um, people, people. I mean, you know, whatever you will say about The Walking Dead, it it, it draws people to the source material, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of other, I think, adaptations of of comic book stuff. And I think the same thing is going to be true for this stuff. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Look at those sales figures. Every time there's a new Walking yeah. Dead, it's the top. Yeah. So, we will have to see what happens with that. But yeah, so that that's our TV uh, update. Yeah. For, for for the week, um, let's talk about some comic books. So let's talk about some lightning round stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have Steve lead us off here. Surely. Are you ready for this, Steve? You, now I you cannot see ready. the timer at all. So this is gonna be you have to be, really go on your gut on this one. You have no timer. Do you want me to uh, time no, it? I said you can't see the timer at all. Oh, I certainly can, sir. I have a digital Fitbit on my wrist. Uh, <laughs> all right, so you have three minutes and go. Uh, I told, no, I didn't. I fucked it up. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I finally read Lady Killer. 
that nice. uh, Bob has been going on and on about for quite some time. Uh, it's from Dark Horse Comics. And Jolie Jones and Jamie S. Rich. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this book. I really did. Nice. Um, I'm trying to... For those that don't know what it is, it's kind of a, like an everyday housewife. Uh, Bob, what uh, era would you say this is? Oh, in? it's Mad Men. It's it's early sixties. Okay, so early sixties housewife that is uh, an assassin by day or night, whatever you know, whenever duty mm-hmm. calls. She's got a family back home, and essentially, the organization that she works for is kind of feeling her wanting to drift away from them and they realize that after she's been in the game for about 15 years with them she's become so good that they're afraid of kind of letting her go that at some point if she hears about something she doesn't like she could come back and essentially do damage to their organization so they send people after her story goes from there uh it's the artwork for this is positively gorgeous it's a lot more violent than i was expecting oh yeah but in like the best way possible, it makes the the deaths in it really matter and be like really visceral and, and heavy handed. And that's kind of the way this whole uh, book feels to me. And it's got kind of like a like if Bond was really just a hyper violent character uh, is what you would have with this book. But anyway, uh, Lady Killer was really cool. I caught up with uh, The Amazing Spider-Man since it started again from uh, Dan Slott. And uh, what is his name? Camoncoli. Giuseppe Camoncoli for pencils and Cam Smith for inks and Marte Garcia for colors. Excuse me if I got any of the names wrong. I'm going quite fast. And I'm happy to say that it's it's really good. I liked the second issue uh, just a bit more than I liked the first. But uh, essentially what you have in this new iteration of Spider-Man is Peter Parker's now you know, the head of Parker Industries, and he's inventing tech and sharing it with the world. And a team of villains known as the Zodiac have basically come to Parker Industries to take his wrist device. It's kind of like his answer to the iWatch because it's encrypted with all of the secrets of Parker Industries that he wears on him. And he has no no choice but to give it up at one point in the story. And the story takes place with him and his kind of partner, uh, Prowler, and they're going after the tech. Like I said, first issue was was good. It was a good setup. But the second issue, on top of like developing the story more and making it more interesting, was absolutely hilarious. It just had a very dry wit to it, especially coming from the villains. And there were whole pages that had me cracking up. All right. So there you go. Yeah. So, Lady I Killer. Get to talk about my favorite of the bunch, but whatever. Well, you know, you you were you were all confident. Oh, I got this. I I can do my Fitbit. I can set a three minute timer, and I'll get it. And you just didn't I? You didn't do it. Maybe it was on didn't daylight I? savings time. You didn't. Yeah, daylight savings time <laughs> in minutes. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever. Spider Man. Spider Man's really good. I was really. I bought two of them, and I was like, ah, like there's another one coming out on Wednesday. Do I pick up the third one without reading the other two? And I read them, and I'm telling that second issue was was worth the price of admission. I laughed my ass off reading that. Awesome! I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed Good Lady stuff. Killer because after spouting off about it for so long, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was highly enjoyable. Yeah. I love I love the art for it. Is oh, it? it's so it's so gorgeous. Another mini coming. Josie goes yeah, on vacation that, to mm-hmm. Miami. That should be fun. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Definitely something I want to see continued. Very cool. All right. Nice. All right, Mara, are you ready? 
Yes. You've got three minutes, and go. Okay, so first up, we're going to open up some Star Wars. No. Yes. <laughs> Chewbacca number two. Take a shot. <laughs> from uh, <laughs> Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto. And um, I was a little bit hesitant about this series when it first started because they didn't give any inner dialogue or narration to Chewbacca. But we get to see him through the eyes of um, Zor- uh, Zaro, a child. And she needs Chewbacca's help to rescue her friends and family from indentured servitude and, you know, inevitable death. And Chewbacca has agreed. And mostly his role in this issue, in her mind, is just to act scary enough so that they can, you know, get away. But of course, it's not that easy. The Empire is around. There are certain hazards and, um, you know, a little bit of Chewbacca's past that he encounters in this issue as well. Okay, next up is Power Up number four. And this is a comic from Boom by Kate Leth and Matt Cummings. And I love the cover <laughs> with, with Kevin and his magical girl uniform. And we get a little bit of downtime with Amy, Kevin, and Sandy as they're still processing what's happening. And, and Sandy's coming to terms with the fact that our family knows of her superpowers. But we also get some pretty crazy good teamwork when one of Amy's friends um, becomes a monster. Uh, it's a really good series. I'm, I love the artwork. I love how fun and weird it is. And I'm... I'm hoping that we see more of this to come after, once it's done with its mini series. Princeless, volume four, Jeremy Whitley and M- Emily Martin. Uh, in this volume, um, Adrian is off to rescue her sister from her castle in the swamp, and there's lots of goblins, and it's hilarious because there's this mm-hmm. explorer goblin lady who, when I read her, I give her a British accent. And it's quite yeah. enjoyable. <laughs> and at the same time, her brother Devin is dealing with the fact that his father doesn't want him to be um, a costume designer, a fashionista, someone who makes really cool armor and, and um, theater costumes and things like that. So you kind of get two different perspectives on gender expectations in this particular volume. And finally, Manifest Destiny number 18. By Chris Dingus and Matthew Roberts. Don't spoil anything, Mara. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of gross things in this particular issue. And I read it while I was eating and I should not have done that. Um, uh, Lewis and Clark are continuing to explore the new world. Is all I can say without spoiling anything. Okay. (laughs) It's, It's amazing. I wish more people read and talked about this particular comic series because it is so fascinating and I love the blend of uh, sort of semi-historical happenings with high fantasy weird stuff plus gore yeah I can't wait this is this was the last issue of this arc right I'm pretty sure I I believe so like it's it rounds up let me scroll back to the bottom um it rounds up pretty nicely I think I read it's the last issue of of this volume because it's 18 right yeah, 18, yeah, so, so I guess they do six. Yeah, they do yeah. six, which I'm really excited about because I've read the first two uh, volumes, and so uh, th- I'm sure the third volume will be coming out soon because it's an image book, so I will Man, definitely it, be going to... like, this has stuff of nightmares in it. <laughs> like, 
it's it's one of those where at the, the cliffhanger 17 introduced this one monster and I'm like, no. And then it opened up with this one. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just horrific and, and disgusting and, and just, uh, man, I'm, so good. Though. I'm really excited. So good. I don't know. Could they have a better monster though than that is in the fourth issue of Prince List though? Did you get to the fourth? Fourth issue of volume four? Yeah. Um. I did. You have to remind me of what that monster is. Cause I'm... It's a garlic monster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. An aromatic reckoning is at hand. That's That completely, uh, you know, replicates the, the tone of vegetative injustice, but turns it on its head and makes it fun. An aromatic reckoning is at hand. It's just a, it's just a lot of fun issue. Again, all the usual things we expect from Jeremy, and we're continuing. There's, there's another volume um, Bobby, coming. Yeah. Uh, volume three of Manifest Destiny comes out November 25th. Nice. Okay. So oh, right the, there. Right, yeah. right by Thanksgiving. So that's great. I will definitely be picking that up and reading all of it um, very quickly because I loved, i in love with the first two volumes of that series. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to read the third. Um, oh, I, so just by circumstance, we recorded the podcast three weeks ago on a Monday. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Monday night, the Star Wars trailer came out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you guys didn't talk about it last week. We had a listener who was like, you guys know we talked about the Star Wars trailer on, on the show. And totally, just by chance, Mario is on the show this week. Right. So I figured... I could, we should... I could talk so much about that Star Wars trailer. <laughs> Again, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Uh, oh, so good. But uh, we'll, take, we'll just talk about it right now. Let's talk about it right now. It's, I think it's a good time to talk about Mara brought up Star Wars, so because um, it's a day that ends in Y. So we'll... <laughs> I must say, if I had if I was running out of time, or if I had enough time, I was going to bring up Shattered Empire anyway. So gotcha. let's just talk. Let's just talk Star Wars. All right, let's just let's talk about it. let's talk Star Wars. So Mara, as resident Star Wars person, uh, what did you think of the trailer? It was perfect. It didn't really give anything away about the plot or um, the the direction the, the movie is heading, but I think it gave us a good idea of what the tone of the movie is going to be. And it's gonna be dark. <laughs> we, uh, I, I, the trailer when it popped online, like the incident popped online, I watched it, and I just sent a text message to my friend Brad. Just said, "Holy fuck!" That's all it said <laughs> in it. Any no context whatsoever. And then he sent me back a like paragraph long text message about the Star Wars trailer, yeah. so he knew what, what what we were talking I, about. I felt. I put Poe Dameron on my iPhone's background because I feel so bad for him because I think he's going to be in like a lot of pain in this movie, <laughs> and I have to, I have to start sending him good vibes now because I think he's the new heartthrob of the series. But we don't know yet. I don't we don't know. know. It could be, it we could don't be know. Ray. She could be the heartthrob. It's true. The whole series now. You could have you could have a, a male heartthrob and a female heartthrob. Yeah. For, for, yeah. In, the, in, the, in the series, that's that's very possible. Um, <laughs> uh, Bob, what did you think of it? Well, I it was really fun watching it during the football game. Hmm. Was Mike Tirico, I guess, doing the game, and he was saying words as he probably had never ever said before, <laughs> and it, it really just looked like it. Oh, this is couldn't you find someone to introduce <laughs> this trailer? So that actually tampened down my expectation. <laughs> but then in, in watching it, it it struck me as okay, this is what Jedi should have and could have been mm. tone wise as we get older through the series and bring us someplace that's still a lot could be a lot of fun. But there's consequence and agency for characters, and it's yes, this is what I wanted. I'm very optimistic, as, <laughs> and I hated the prequels. Mm-hmm. 
I don't say hate much, but I hated those three movies. So I'm, fingers crossed, I'm still debating whether I'm going that day. I may have something to do what? on Saturday. Someone, someone <laughs> bought, <already> bought <laughs> me tickets. It's, it's, it's Christmas, and we have extended family people going to other countries that that may be the only day we can be together for Christmas. It's Christmas. Or watch, watch Star Wars together. <laughs> I, I bought my ticket for the Thursday and then I yes. bought my ticket for Friday and then we're buying our tickets for the Saturday. So it better be good. Cause I'm seeing yeah. it three days in a row. Maybe four if my Sunday is open, which it probably will be. Why don't you just sneak into the bathroom and come back out again? <laughs> we used to do in the old days. Um, yeah, I bought my Thursday tickets already. Um, I bought two tickets, not even knowing who would go with me on the Thursday. I was just like, somebody will go with me. I yeah, bought, yes. I bought two Thursday tickets, but I'm. Uh, the trailer was fantastic. I, I got choked up at, at one point watching it. I was kind of enthralled by by the entire thing. Um, you know, I, I've watched like twenty times at this point, so I've broken down everything I can break down. I think without getting going even farther over the top with with, with breaking it down. But you know, I just there are things that I just love about it that you know I. I didn't expect to see or didn't know if I was going to see, um, you know, that opening shot of, of I'm assuming it's Ray. You know, you don't, we don't know because she's in a mask, but mm-hmm. someone sort of spelunking into that giant Star Destroyer. Yeah. Uh, it just looked, you know, in the best way possible, it looked like a matte painting. It looked like a 70s movie. You know, it, lo- it looked like a like alien or something. It had that sumptuous, that, yeah. you know, big, huge feeling to it where a physical feeling to it which i loved um and 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 i'm sure a lot of the shots that i'm like oh look all this physical stuff i'm sure there is physical stuff but i'm sure there's a lot of cg as well but it what what we've seen so far it's marrying it wonderfully um Mm -hmm. and i agree with mar 100 what i love about the trailer is that it delivered a lot of information about tone and, and, and about look but really nothing about story or character I'm just making up my own story in my head. I'm uh, ready. No. I've got so many theories. No, there's a guy who's been shopping at my comic store for as long as I have. So we're talking 35 years. Complete fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, uh, he's he got three different movies written already. <laughs> and I've heard all of them. It's like, Bill, no, stop. <laughs> la, la, la. Yeah. My, um, my theories adjust as rumors surface. So by the time the movie comes out, I want to see how close I was to to everything. I I love the choice of music. I love that they went with the the softer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the st- softer Star the Wars romantic music. The romantic, theme. yes, the romantic uh, theme. Exactly. I loved that aspect of it. Um, I loved, again, I loved seeing and hearing Harrison Ford, and, and he, he feel. I mean, we've only seen like eight seconds of him, but it, he he feels like good Harrison Ford, which we haven't yeah. seen in a very long time in in a movie. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and I think the the choice to focus on the the three new leads uh, is 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 the right one, and they all seem great just in yeah. the little time we've gotten with them. So I'm really excited to see what what it all what it all means. Um, Steve, what did you think of the the trailer? I may be quietly watching it on my phone right now. <laughs> oh, <it's all laughs> sorry, Mara. It's okay. I mean, everyone is different. There are seven I... billion people or eight billion people, and they all have different opinions and different <laughs> outlooks on life. And it's okay that you're not as into Star Wars. I accept it. <laughs> Grudgingly. No, I, no, 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 no. I, I've seen the trailer before this. I was watching it because you guys were talking about it so much that I had to see it again. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, no, I was online waiting for it, just like everybody else. <laughs> okay, good. No, this is this is really, 
Um, I talked about this when the teaser trailer came out, that this is the first time that anything Star Wars has come out that I am genuinely kind of just like freaking out over. And um, so much of, of what you all said about the, about the trailer really excites me. I love the, the score and the music to it. Uh, Bobby said the, the focus on the new characters as opposed to the old. I think that's really important that they kind of establish the, the anchor of the series with them rather than having it hang on the old characters. It's awesome that they're there, and it makes sense, and I'm sure that as the story gets bigger, it'll just be cooler. But I love the focus on this time out. They're going with a very, like, the lead character, the the lead male character that we have is a black guy. The other one is female. We got this really dark, foreboding villain that's kind of taking up uh, the Darth Vader role, and I love the the push for diversity in this. I'm super excited to see all of the effects. I think the overall look of the movie and the overall style and just how sleek everything looks is gorgeous. And um, yeah, I am. I, I haven't bought tickets. I'm kind of regretting the move. <laughs> it just seemed too hectic at the time with everything shutting down and all the sites mm-hmm. going down and everything. So I told myself I would see it the, like a week later, but I might have to. I might have to find a way to get in. Maybe talk, maybe pull a few favors. <laughs> but um, no, it lo- it looks amazing. It looks amazing. I'm really excited to. Uh, I hope it's as good as everybody that's dying to see it. Like like, you know, it, it's it lives up to people's expectations. Yeah, I, and one of these little things, the stupid little things that I love is that this is the first time right we're seeing the Millennium Falcon in mo- using modern effects to create the movement of the ship and all that kind of stuff. And with the little you see it in with those TIE fighters, you can see and feel the weight of, of the ship. There's a weight to the ships when they're flying. And obviously they're going to be mostly all, they're going to be all CG, but there's a, a physical weight when you watch the, the Falcon spin back and forth. And it has this feeling of, it, of, of propulsion and uh, that, it hasn't ever been there before, and I, and I definitely noticed it right away because I've watched the Millennium Falcon fly six million times in, yeah. in those in those other movies, and I can see the difference. But I love the way that that moves and feels. There's a there's a moment where the characters are kind of walking through an archway, and a like a red tall like a tall red robot walks past them. But the city that they're walking into looks like it's got like multiple uh, multicolored roofs and spires mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It looks like something out of like a Miyazaki film. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's. what's those that? are flags. Are they? You can see um, Mandalorian symbols on the flags, oh. as well as Anakin's pod racing flag <laughs> and Sebulba's. Mm-hmm. And you can see the tattoo that Jabba the Hutt has on his arm and everything. Yeah. Oh my God, Mara. <laughs> Pause it. <laughs> I just did. I just did. I see all that stuff now. Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah, That's so awesome. like, where did they get all of that? <laughs> Why is it there? It seems like maybe some sort of like pirate meeting maybe? or something. Oh. Pirate. That's what it feels like to me. Um, all parlet. those dog fights and the ship movements you were talking about just a minute ago make yeah. me really excited for Rogue One. Yeah, absolutely. I'm mean, very excited about Rogue One. I think that's going to be very cool. I think as I get older, I'm less impressed with the Jedi stuff, and I'm more all about the like camaraderie of pilots and um, the space battles. Mm. Like very cool. Like that's my jam right now. That's your jam right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, and, and and this has been talked about a lot in, since the trailer has come out. But no, we still haven't seen Luke. No. Well, maybe we saw his hand. 
maybe we know, but we haven't. Yeah. But we haven't seen his face. We haven't seen. He hasn't had any lines, anything in any the trailer. So they're interested to see what that means for for the movie. I've avoided every article that starts with "Here's why we haven't seen." Oh the- yeah, me no! too. Me too. <laughs> me too. I won't say anything. Yeah. Uh, hey, don't you dare. I, I have not been avoiding any of those articles. Like, <laughs> shoving them in my mind. <laughs> I avoid all those articles. Uh, yeah, I, I see them and I just kind of go on. I mean, I've, I've I've checked all the official stuff that's been released, and like I like I like watching JJ Abrams talk about it because he wants to give away less than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. So I I enjoy watching his talks about it, but I will not check out any of those those stories because I don't want to know. I want to go in a, yeah. as fresh as I can. I mean, I'm going to watch the trailers, but other than that, I want to go in as fresh as I can. But again, the trailers have been very sacrosanct. They yeah. have not let anything out no. really. The look, yeah. The tone, yeah. Enough. That's all. I want to know that it's going to be something I want to go see. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And Finn with the lightsaber. They showed that in the at the in the in the end of the trailer, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool that we saw that. So I'm 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 very excited. I can't wait to see what it is, and I, I I'm I'm so happy. There's there's mystery surrounding what it is. And they're not it, even. They're releasing the book December 18th. Yeah, I heard they they delayed it so because it wouldn't spoil only. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy that they're doing that yeah. that's pretty crazy so yeah star wars trailer was awesome i cannot wait cannot wait and it's so soon now it's yeah month away month away yeah. a little little more than a month away at this point does this mm-hmm. come out at mara you'll know this does this come out everywhere in the world the same day or are there going to be leaks we have to watch for from other parts well, of the world the only thing i know of that's ahead of time is um what the air france is doing where you get to see it three days early because you get on a plane and you watch it on the plane, you go to France or something like that. Oh, <laughs> hmm. it, it was briefly considered in this household. I'm gonna say another news: yeah. Mario is going to France. <laughs> very, just... very briefly until we both realized, like, we have to work <laughs> on December fifteenth, the end of this the semester. Yeah. <laughs> so, wasn't the cost of flying to France, or it's just yeah. we have to work? We have to work. We have, can't get back in time. The, the Concorde doesn't fly anymore, so we can't get <laughs> yeah. back in time for work the next day. <laughs> Oh man! Wow, Star Wars fever. How was the end of Shattered Empire, by the way, Mara? You what? How was the end of Shattered Empire? Oh, it's actually pretty good. Cool. Um, the last last issue focused on Shara's interactions with Luke Skywalker, and he had like a short mission for her, and it kind of wrapped everything up and and left her in a position where, you know, we kind of know where her ties with the rebellion lie, and. You know, make us excited to see what Poe Dameron grows up to be like. Very cool. With such cool parents. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, obviously, he has some sort of deep personal pain, though, Mara, as we can see oh, from that trailer. He's a tortured soul. He's or tortured he, he's a soul that will be tortured. <laughs> yeah, either one. There's yes. going to be a soul that is tortured by the end of the movie, either way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So that's our Star Wars chat. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. Let's continue with our, with our, our, our lightning round stuff. Bob. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, sure. Lightning round. You have three minutes and go. Well, for me, New Avengers number two is the same mixed bag as the first. Uh, Al Ewing writes a quirky, fun story with an interesting use of Ultimate Reed Richards. It's one of those Secret Wars things, I guess. Uh, but I find Gerardo Sandoval's art not to my liking at all, and I think it very much undercuts what Al Ewing is trying to do. I may not continue this past my pre-orders, and considering how much I love Al Ewing's work, I don't know. I'm not really thrilled seeing Squirrel Girl look kind of like uh, Bathing Beauty. That's just me. So, But with no equivocation, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number one, only their second number one so far this year, was an absolute delight. Uh, Doreen's place in this new Marvel Universe is slightly changed from the old as she's now a new Avenger 
which means she has a teleporter in her closet and full access to the Avengers Land food court. And otherwise, things are pretty much the same as Doreen and Nancy deal with a new term at Empire State University, plus the reappearance of the supervillain Brain Drain from Invaders Number 2 back in 1978, who's a human being, a spaceship falls on his head, and now he has a big glass ball with his brain and eyeballs looking out. That's, which is pretty cool. That's why he's brain drained. Shenanigans ensue, and some great Squirrel Girl secrets told by her mom, who we meet for the first time. Yeah, just tons of fun uh, by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Then there's Batgirl 45. Uh, it features the wedding of Barbara's ex-roommate Alicia and her partner Joe. And as much as it a tale of beginnings, it's also a touching recapitula recapitulation of, and perhaps a capping off of, some things from Barbara's past. Uh, fun in the ways you come to expect, but also romantic and touching, uh, uh, beautifully done by Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, art by Babs Tarr, probably the best she's done here, uh, colorist Serge Lapointe. Batgirl just continues to be a book that I look forward to with great anticipation each and every month. All right, Bob, you still have a minute. <laughs> I still have a minute. Well, I, thanks to you, Bobby, mm -hmm. I've been picking up Sam Wilson, Captain America, and... Very, very political, but very nuanced. Very, I, I think it's very balanced. A lot mm. of people complaining about what's going on without realizing, well, the Sons of the Serpent have been around since the 60s. Mm -hmm. It's very important they're here. Uh, Sam comes to some realizations about his place in the world. The, the story's told in flashbacks and forwards mm -hmm. or whatever. Just really, really well done. I haven't read that much Nick Spencer, but I'm really digging this so far. Great. I'm glad. I'm really glad to hear that, Bob. Really, really glad to hear that. Um so, Squirrel Girl's not a mutant anymore. Nope. She's not a mutant anymore. That, she's no. sort of. She uh, says she's not a mutant. I Her know. mom says she's she, not a mutant. Is she inhuman? Didn't No, no. she's not an inhuman. No. She's something she's, else. She's a little bit of everything. Yeah, she's something else. Um, it seemed, it, it honestly, it feels like they told, you know, Reiner, look, she's not, we're just, she's not a mutant anymore. You have to, and then yeah. the way he wrote it, though, seems like he was poking fun of the fact that. Yes. Uh, yeah. She's not a mutant. She's something else. Her DNA, she's a little bit more special than a mutant, is like what she says in that. She's a mutanted mutant or um, something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't wait. With the crossover coming with Howard the Duck should mm -hmm. be a lot of fun. And again, as with all these issues, you get the Deadpool trading cards. <laughs> so if you need to find out about Brain Drain there, <laughs> wasn't much help this time around. But, you know, you never can tell next time. It'll be Good, good stuff in those cards. Help to help there be Galactus after all. It's true. It's very true. That book was great. All right. Awesome. Okay. Did anyone read Batgirl? I yes. did. It was so good. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for you to talk it. about it, Bob. I did. <laughs> hmm. I did. I did. Mara, what Dick did you Grayson think? Grayson is my comic book boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> was that your first book? When was? Yes. No, no it was my oh, third God, book. Yeah, no, it was his third book. Out. Yeah, you just weren't listening, Steve. I was. <laughs> I think we have evidence to prove the contrary. Samara, <laughs> 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 um, uh, you loved it? I loved it. It was so shoujo, by the way. Like, all the soft lighting and the sparkly eyes and, like, Dick Grayson having the most perfect, you know, face <laughs> and romantic flirty. I was like, yes, this is my kind of comic book. And then, of course, you know, like, there was a little bit of action and flying off roofs and things like that. But, um, I mean, it was, it was my second favorite book this week besides oh. my, my pick of the week. Like it was really good. Awesome. Awesome. And Steve. I'm good. 
<laughs> okay. I've embarrassed myself enough. It was your chance to talk about Batgirl, though. <laughs> I, I just I thought it was really sweet. This is this has definitely been one of my favorite books of the year, and uh, I think it was one of the best issues that's come out of it yet. Uh, like Mara had said, the the color palette for this one is is particularly nice, and it was really I mean, aside from the characters being nice on the eyes, the color palette I think really just made for a kind of a relaxing read. Um, the Batgirl books can sometimes be very very busy while they're extraordinarily colorful there's a lot to look at and Mm -hmm. my eyes kind of dart around at everything that i found that the kind of like the the pinks and the blues and everything that were used really brought everything into focus and if there was like an award for best lighting of in a comic (laughs) for the year i would certainly put this in contention uh and the moment where she forgets about her boots had yeah. me cracking up. So, um, yeah, I mean, this book, this book was awesome when Gail Simone was, do, was doing it and it has its, will always have its place and is entertaining in and of its own thing. But this newer Burnside uh, Batgirl version, I, I think might even trump the other stuff for me personally. I just, I've loved every issue. All right. Yeah. And there you have it. Very cool. All right, so I'll put my three minutes on my clock and go. Um, Invincible Iron Man, number two, Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez. Uh, I liked issue two more than I liked issue one. I thought it was a ton of fun. I loved the interaction between Tony and Victor Von Doom. Also his interaction with Madame Mask. I, I think it's it's got a a flavor and a pep and, and a force to it that, that I really, really enjoy. Uh, you know, Tony is great because Tony is he's everything that 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 character is supposed to be right he he, you root for him but you also sometimes feel feel a little bad rooting for him because he's he can be a little scummy at at, at times but i I love that sort of full breadth of his character i really love uh this sort of ai you know companion this girl friday that he has i really like that a lot i think that they give some good interaction with two of them and it's just it's funny it's interesting i i'm I, I love Tony trying to figure out if Victor is telling the truth. If he's not, he seems even more distressed when he now believes that Victor is telling the truth yeah. and when he believed that he was a bad, he was just all bad. All that stuff I really, really liked. And I think the art is really, really nice as well. A lot of personality in the faces and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm into it and I can't wait to, to see what, what comes next. And I, you, I wonder what's going on with Minette Mask and why she's so angry at Tony and, and and so I I'm interested to see where all that, all that goes. Um, the other book I want to talk about was Justice League number forty five, which is Jeff Johns and Francis uh, Manipole with Brian Bucciolato on colors. Uh, this continues a Dark Side War. This is actually um, the Act Two of, of this story, so we're toward the second part of it. And the whole first part was sort of this lead up to this uh, face off between the Anti Monitor and Dark Side. Now we're past that, and now we're in this whole crazy world where. Not each of them, but the but the Flash, Superman, Batman, um, they're all sort of being inhabited or bonded with these sort of new gods. And um, Flash is bonded with the Black Racer, so he's the god of death. Batman bonded with the Mobius chair, so he's the god of knowledge. Superman, I don't know what he's bonded with, but <laughs> he's the, the, the god of strength. And so Judge John has really taken the idea of these characters as gods that is sort of the, you know, 
sometimes the criticism level that DC about about their about their characters and it's sort of going full brace whole hog into it um and so the 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 story of the issue is very interesting and I like the dynamics and I like playing in this big sort of new gods territory because I think it, it provides you know it, it's a, it's it's so epic that I think it gives a book like Justice League you know it gives it its due, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, these, dealing with these characters and the art by Francis Manipal is absolutely, unbelievably stunning. If you've seen any work before, obviously you know how great his stuff looks. But here, paired with these huge characters doing these crazy big things, it's just a, a sight to behold. Um, one of my favorite looking looking books of the year, bar none. Uh, he works so well with Bucciolato as far as colors go, and that that goes here as well. And it's a big story, a deep story with a lot of crazy elements, but I'm just really, really enjoying it so far. So yeah, it's just League number 45. Ooh, that's a scary last page. It is a scary last page. I won't spoil what's on the last no. page. I missed that book. I haven't read that book in several issues. The The whole Dark Side War stuff has been really, really great. Yeah, um, I think about halfway through I stopped collecting it. I should I should really go back and grab the the rest of those issues. It's really, really great. It's, it, it's one of my favorite books. Well, I'm going to the store tomorrow where there's a whole bunch of uh, back issues. Maybe I'll scoop them up. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to hearing uh, what you thought of it. I, It's funny because I was talking with Bob about this off of the air, and he mentioned I should talk about this on the air. So yeah. I'm going to do. So um, I, I've gone mostly digital at, at this point reading stuff. Um, it's really more of a space issue than, than anything else. Um, and also just an issue of, you know, I don't really have a store that I have a bond with r- right now. And so I've been doing stuff digitally and, you know, for a while I was buying stuff digitally the same way I would buy physically, which was I would buy all of it at one time and then go through it and read it. Um, over the last month or so, I've had a lot less time because I was editing the, the Halloween movie, which Bob is in and you can see it right uh, <laughs> online now. There's, there's links to it on social media, but um, you know, it took a lot of time away. And so I, I really had to kind of focus down and I was leaving a lot of books not unread. And I, I sat down this week and I decided, I kind of made the decision, A, I'm buying them digitally, so I don't need to buy them all at once. I can buy them piecemeal. So that's good in just itself to save me money if I, if I don't end up wanting to read anything else. But more than that, I kind of, we talk a lot about how you how you fit books in and how how you keep books in your head and how many books you can read in in, in a in a week and I, I think all of us who who love to consume any kind of media whether it be video games or TV or movies or comic books we we sometimes get in this place where we sort of let the media dictate how much time we have whereas I've decided now I'm just going to have to let my time dictate how much stuff I can consume you know beautifully said so. You know, this week I had time to read about four or five books, and that's what I read. You know, I, I didn't get to some of the books that I, I wanted to read, but I didn't. I I can get to those at some point. I can go back and read them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. Ha- you know, I, I'll I'll know what I, what I don't have and what I do have, and I can go back and read them. But I, I don't have to have this sort of now even digital pile of, of of books that I haven't read. You know, I don't need to have eight books that I didn't get to because I just couldn't get through all the books that I needed mm-hmm. to read. I will just I will finish a book, then I will buy the next book, then I will finish the book, and I will buy the next book uh, as I go on in a week when I'm reading. And what I read is what I get to read. You know, um, it's important obviously that I read the books that we have shared, and there's stuff that I want to you know trade and stuff like trades and stuff like that. I want to go out and check out and read, but stuff like that I just I just need to let that kind of do it. I need to let my time dictate how much I can read, not not the other way around. Well, now it's not making that trip to the store once yeah. a week. Yeah, the store is in your living room. Exactly, and I do. I will say I do miss the experience of going to the store. I do miss it, um, but 
I just don't have that right now. So this this is the way I have to read them, and and so I'm a, I'm adapting to to reading them that way. So yeah, uh, very mature. Thank you, Mara. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not that mature. I still bought like three video games last week. So <laughs> ooh, what'd you get? Uh, I, I got Guitar Hero Live, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of fun. It's it's really difficult because yes. it has a new button configuration. So I played it for about thirty seconds in Target yeah. and just gave up. Yeah, all my old muscle memory is gone at this oh. point. Um, I bought a couple of small games. I bought a game called Duck Game on Steam, which is like a, uh, um, a it's like Towerfall, Steve, but with guns, and you're you're playing as ducks instead of little archers. But it's a, it's a ton of fun. And uh, I also bought Halo Five, obviously, because I gotta play me some Halo. So there you go. That was the video games I bought. So I'm not that mature, but I, I, I am trying to be better about how much uh, how much I read because I want to be able to be more excited about the stuff that, that I am reading. Uh, all right. Steve, what is your book of the week, sir? Okay. Uh, really quick, before I get to that, uh, you were talking about buying stuff and deals and such. I actually bought my first Humble Bundle. Oh, cool. Uh, the other day from Top Cow. I got $700 worth of comics. Mm-hmm. For like twenty bucks. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's all digital, yeah. obviously, but yeah. Yeah, it's all digital. Um, but I got like everything Witchblade, everything Aphrodite, um, the Sunstone uh trades were available, like all of just tons and tons and tons and tons of uh stuff from from Top Cow and it was awesome. Uh kinda has me looking at a couple of other ones, but I'm gonna have to be good <laughs> and not uh not lose my shirt. Over uh, and I have an iPad now as well. What? <laughs> yes, it was a, it was a gift. Um, so I will I will be using it uh wisely after I get it all set up. I haven't uh, I haven't sat down with it yet, but I will. So looking forward to getting into the digital age. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> so by the time people listen to this, it'll probably be over, but it's still going on at this moment. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes, it's seventeen hours till it's done. Oh, maybe in the morning they could. So catch if you're listening to this first thing in the morning, you can go to Humble Bundle. Or you Patreon folks. Yeah, the Patreon folks right are now. listening now or at midnight tonight, they they can go. But yeah, like the, the base package is like eleven dollars and change. And I mean you get you just get so much what looks to be really quality stuff. I mean, I've dabbled a little bit in, in each of some of the stuff that they're offering and from what I've read so far is awesome. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm very excited. And if you like the stuff that we're talking about tonight that's where a lot of uh, Steve Hahn has his work and you can check out tons of stuff from him and Matt Hawkins and, and other people uh, through that humble bundle. It's quite awesome. Yeah. And if people don't know how a humble bundle is. It's a, they do, they started doing a lot, mostly video games or all video games, but it's a, it's a, they do a bundle of games or comics or whatever it might be. And it's basically, it goes to charity. The proceeds go to charity oh. and you get to decide what, mm-hmm. what goes to the humble bundle? What, I mean, what goes to the, the humble bundle? The the you know the company that's selling them. What goes to the charity? What goes to whatever? So you get to decide that stuff. Um, it's very cool. It's a very great. They have a lot of great deals and a lot of great, you know, and a lot of great um, uh, breadth of stuff. Books, m- you know, comics, games, and, and it's just it's a great thing to do. So yeah, absolutely. It's huh? it's pretty awesome. And at ninety five percent off. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I liked the the sliders. I, I thought were really awesome. I put the majority of uh, of my money towards the charity, but I like that they give you that option. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool that they do that. Absolutely. 
All right, so what do you got for your book of the week, Steve? All right, well, I got another Dark Horse book, uh, and this one is actually uh, called Two Brothers, and it's by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. They are the team behind Day Tripper and uh, other collections. I have a list in front of me if the page (laughs) would not move. Uh, They worked on the Umbrella Academy with Gerard Way, uh, the BPRD Vampire series that we talked about a while back, as well as the BPRD uh, 1946 to 1948. Uh, they also did something, uh, some stuff with Becky Cloonan called uh, Pizu, Mark, The Mark of Evil, hmm. which I've never heard about but really want to read now since I love both of those creators. And another thing called uh, D.E. and the subtitle is Tales, hmm. um, story by Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. Hmm. So not only did I get to read this awesome book, but now I have other awesome ones, uh, prospective awesome ones to look for. Um, but that said, the one that we're talking about tonight, is uh, brand new from them, and it's called Two Brothers. I'm just going to read a little bit of the blurb on the back. Uh, It's set in the port city of, oh boy, here we go, Uh, Manaus on the riverbanks of the Amazon. Two Brothers celebrates the vibrant life and diversity of Brazil based on a work by acclaimed novelist Milton Hatoum. Two Brothers is a stunningly reimagined and award-winning graphic novel from graphic novelists Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I got the place right because this book was very emotionally taxing and not, not in a sad way, but um, you know, everybody, everybody has, has family or, or whether it's, it's immediate family or whether it's friends and um, family is not always the easiest of, they're not always the easiest of people to, to get, you know, to get along with. Some people have really great family lives. Other people have lives that are their family members can almost feel like combatants in, in life and that they're they're trying to push you around, tell you what to do, tell you who to be, have you live up to something that you never knew and, and create this this pressure on you to be somebody when you kind of just want to be your own thing. Um, what Two Brothers is, is it's a story of these, these two twin brothers who – we're growing up together, and when they were very young, probably around 11 years old, there was uh, an incident between the two of them. They both liked the same girl. One thing, one thing led to another, and one of the brothers ends up uh, attacking the other, uh, leaving him scarred. And essentially, the family decides that it's it's time for them to spend some time apart. And one of the brothers ends up getting sent away uh, to a school in Lebanon, and basically disappears for a number of years and doesn't come back. And what it does is it, it creates this tremendous rift between all the family members. And what the book does as a whole is it kind of goes around to all of the major players that live within the house and tells you the story of, of their lives and, and how they adapted to this rift and just this, tremendous tremendous book about family dynamics and the harshness of loving your family and and hating them all at at different times and trying to live up to your parents expectations trying to rekindle a relationship with your sibling even though you know you have reason to never want to speak to them again you have to find a way to meet in the middle and to do it and other things keep coming up that you know cause make that not happen 
so to speak. I'm trying not to give too much away, but um, I don't want to give away too much of the plot. Really, what it is is if you love those, um, I wouldn't call it a slice of life book. It's more like a pie mm-hmm. of life <laughs> because there are many slices to this pie, and it it it's a number of years. Like I didn't expect. I thought it was a story about two brothers, but it turns out to be about the two brothers. That it's about their father and their mother and the way that they grew up and and came to live with one another and their courtship and how they survive in this in this you know Brazilian uh, town that they live in and all the different people that came into their lives that kind of changed things for them and then it switches again to the children and you just you go through generations upon generations of this one family and all together. They just they make for this destructive force that quite literally every couple of chapters I had to close the book and kind of walk away from it for a couple of minutes. I actually read this at the airport uh, on my way to Canada and I just like two chapters I'd have to shut it and like get up, grab my bags, go for a walk, come back down, sit back and read a few more, shut it again and walk away just because I was so enthralled by all of the arguments and all of the, all the stuff that was going on and like the, the pushing for certain relationships and certain courtships to happen so that there could be better situations for the family versus wanting to break away from that and do your own thing and be your own person. Um, one brother turned out to be highly successful while the other one turned, turned out to be like a shiftless layabout with no ambition and, why that is and, and, and how they can fix it and just all these crazy things. Um, but as far as the, the art goes, it's a black and white book. Uh, the art is, if you've seen anything from this team, you already know how absolutely gorgeous and detailed their stuff is. Um, part of me wishes that this book was in color. I would actually like to see them maybe down, down the road in a few years, re-release it as a colored version. I think it would be brilliant, but the black and white definitely works uh it's really really super impressive what they do with a lot of the negative space uh throughout this book and the blacks are super super bold black colors like it looks like the ink is just sitting right on top of each and every page um i had at least three people look over my shoulder while i was sitting in the airport and ask me questions about what i was reading because it's just to look over somebody's shoulder and see this it's quite uh breathtaking and um, oddly enough, one of the harshest characters in the book, one of the people that you're really not supposed to side with, uh, ended up being my favorite character in, mm. in the whole story. So I, I, I love the book for all those other reasons, but especially for it kind of turning me on somebody that I didn't like. And by the end of the book, um, really came to kind of miss when their part of the story uh, came to a close. So lots of emotions. And uh, yeah, it's exhausting, but it's brilliant and it's beautiful and everybody should read it. It's uh, two brothers from Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Is it as pulverizing as Day Tripper though? <sighs> it's pulverizing in a different way. It, it really is. It, it's not as as sad and kind of like life affirming as uh day tripper, like day tripper made you think about your own mortality, right? Like mm-hmm. it made you really like look inside. This kind of makes you look at the outside and kind of the inner workings 
of the relationships that you have with your family. And honestly, kind of, if you've, if you've had a good life with your family, will by the end of this book, you will really appreciate what you have. And you might even learn to like, let a few things go by the time that you're done with this. Like if you have something going on with your family or even just little habits that you, that you like, you can't stand, you realize that loving that person because they are who they are to you is more important than nitpicking little things and maybe you should let it go so does that answer your question absolutely absolutely (laughs) i I can go on and this is this is dark horse so it's Mm. gonna be a yeah beautiful job yeah it's a very nice yeah yeah Yeah, totally super hardcover um beautiful beautiful presentation like i said the the black and whites just really the negative space uh in this is beautiful i will say one thing before i before I, i pass the stick um, oftentimes you really have to pay attention because the brothers are twins. If you don't know what to look for, it could be very difficult to remember who's who in a certain scene. There's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of arguing. And if you don't catch like the scarring on one of their faces or the way that their hair is lit in every scene, it can be very simple to confuse the two. But um, I was talking about this to my girlfriend and she pointed out to me that that might even be something that was done on purpose because they mm-hmm. are, they, they make it a point of saying throughout the book that everybody expects them to be mirror images of one another. Like every time that they didn't hear from the other son because he was away from for so long, they just assumed that he would be like the brother. Mm-hmm. So when he comes back into the family and he's different and he's changed, it really throws everything kind of out of whack and you really have to pay attention to which brother is which within certain scenes. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. So two brothers from, from, from dark horse. All right, Mara, what do you got for us? Uh, well, it's a star Wars book. No. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I did want to ask, like, I know you guys were talking about your Halloween tradition being, um, a movie and all that. Um, does anyone do all Hallows read? Do not know. No, it's um where you give someone a horror or a scary book for Halloween, and mm. Matt and I do it, and we always make it themed, um, to the person's interest. So we just, I mean, we don't just give any random one. So I gave him Hellboy Volume One this year. Okay, good one. And yeah, and he gave me two Star Wars books <laughs> for all um, for a horror. Yes, the Death Troopers and Red Harvest. Okay. So those are novels I'm excited to read soon. But, um, you know, I just want to let people know you can do All Hells Read with comic books, and it's amazing. Um, okay, so my pick of the week was or is Kanan number 7 from uh, Marvel by Greg Weissman and Pepe Larraz. I feel like Kanan is the strongest of all the Star Wars comics that Marvel is putting out as far as um, – the pacing of the story, the way the art and story fit together and just how fun it is. And the cool thing about this particular comic series is that you don't really have to watch Rebels to enjoy it. You can just jump in and just kind of see it as a Clone Wars era story. So number seven is the beginning of the new arc, which is called First Blood. And the cover features Caleb Dume, who later becomes Kanan, looking at Depa Bilaba and a Bacta tank. 
And we know from the first arc that Depa is Kanan's or Kale Dume's um, master. And she was gunned down by troopers and that kind of, you know, pushed him along his journey away from the Jedi and into a life of piracy and smuggling and all that good stuff. So this is another flashback. So the first arc opened with Kanan having a flashback as they approach Kaller. This one is uh, after he was stabbed in the back and he's in the back to the tank himself and kind of, I don't know if it's his personal memory that's bringing it up, but um, this is not exactly sure how much he's aware of after such a severe injury. But it's another story relating to his current situation and his past. So we see him as a youngling right before he becomes a full-fledged Padawan. And he's working with other younglings and Master Yoda, learning lightsaber techniques and, and things like that. And, you know, one day he goes down to the infirmary and he sees Depa Balaba in a Bacta tank. And there's a lot of rumors about this particular Jedi Master. A lot of people say that she's damaged goods, that there's something that happened that made her unfit for service. And when this was first mentioned in issue one of the series, people flipped out because it meant that a, a storyline from the expanded universe must be true. And that's the, the book Shatterpoint, where she kind of goes mad. <laughs> She's out in the jungle and she goes mad and kills a bunch of people. I, I started to read the novel because I was interested, but I, I held off because I felt like with the new canon, they're going to rewrite it anyway. Mm. So you kind of get a little bit of her backstory about why she is considered so unstable and kind of a um, uh, a liability to the Jedi. That Caleb Dume is like, I don't think infatuation is the right word because it's not like he has this love for her, but he sees her and thinks like, this is my master. This is the person who is going to train me. This is the only person I want to learn from. And there's just something, and you can tell like the way the, the story progresses here that there is a connection between these two that is the type of connection you expect between master and padawan so you know without going any further because that's that's about like the first fourth of the book um, <laughs> explanation and i don't want to get too much because it it's beautiful it's great and and i was really sad that you know in the first issue you know all the jedi are dead so it's not really a surprise that depa is one of them i'm i'm thrilled that they're doing this series in flashback style where we we hit different parts of Kanan's lifespan, including those early years where he's working with her as her Padawan. So it's a great issue. Um, like I said, it's the beginning of the next arc and volume one of Kanan comes out this week. Oh. So in case those of you who are like, what is this Kanan all about? <laughs> <laughs> it, it will be out in stores. <laughs> One. And you can know what this canon is all about. Yeah. You can you can figure it all out, and then you can go watch Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> so, the, Greg Wiseman, right? He, I know he was sort of. Is he's not still working on the show though? Is he? Didn't he leave the show? Um, if he's not on the show, he had a big impact on it in the beginning. Yeah, well, he helped create the show in season one, right. but I think he left. And, yes, yeah. and he's got a history with other like gargoyles and, and things like yes. that. So he, the man knows how to write a story, and he does a fantastic job. Like, like I said, this is one of the strongest, or this is the strongest Star Wars comic coming out right now. And 
you know, it's from someone that I like, I don't really recognize your name very much. Let me go look you up. <laughs> and, you know, it's just kind of, it's really cool to see that kind of perspective. Yeah, I mean, Greg Wiseman is kind of legendary in TV animation. He, he did Gargoyles. Oh, yeah. He did a, uh, that's very short-lived, but very well-regarded, spectacular Spider-Man show that was on. Yes. Um, was that the Neil Patrick Harris one? No, no. that was Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, see, I'm uh, so I think that was the... Spectacular that... Spider-Man had the best theme song. <laughs> spectacular, spectacular Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, the, and then he also, he was also a young guy who did Young Justice. Uh, oh. So now, and, and now he did Rebel. So he, he's a very, very highly regarded uh, animation creator. Uh, but awesome, Mara. So that this was what number seven you said? This is number seven, okay. beginning of the next arc. So uh, you're gonna you're getting the next series of flashbacks from him, absolutely from Kanan. Cool. And uh, so, and volume one is out this week. You said. Yes. All right. That's, awesome. that's a trade or a, a trade. Tra- okay. yeah. It's a trade. Six issue trade. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, before I jump into my book of the week, I'm going to segue off something Mara was talking about. I had a letter from Chad Terry, who started a Halloween tradition of his own. He bought four different packs of the Comic Fest comic books to hand out to kids for Halloween. And he wrote, I just got done. I only have a few left. They were a bigger hit than I anticipated. The very first kid came to the door and said, oh, cool, comic books. So I let him have one of each. All the other kids had a choice between Boom Studios, Halloween Haunt, Archie bit nor Skylander, and he ran out of Skylander quickly, which was a big hit with the boys. No surprise there, as they have toys in a TV show, right? What did surprise me, though, is the kids' and parents' reaction to the comics. One parent sincerely thanked me, and many others said, that's just a great idea. The kids seemed very excited to get a comic, and kids even as young as seven knew who Archie was and picked it over Skylander when he still had them. I can, wow. count on, I can count on one hand how many kids politely said no thanks and gratefully took the candy I had to offer. <laughs> So I, I was saying to Bobby off air, I know Peter David, who lives locally here, w- has been doing that for years. And now that the comic companies are making these available to parents and Halloween-era parents who are just sort of let me give something out instead of something to rot your teeth or, or worse, you know, here's a penny. Actually, we used to get pennies, but that was, you know, years ago. This is inflation. Maybe it's a quarter now. Maybe it's a gift card. I don't know. <laughs> it's a Starbucks gift card. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, have some lattes. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a really neat idea that you could give out. And I saw some of the books that were being given out. They were really mostly kid-appropriate. You want mm-hmm. to give kids Sabrina, not mm-hmm. the new Sabrina anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's well, good. I did that one year. I yeah. gave out um, uh, Marvel Superhero Squad. Perfect. And what was the reaction to your trick-or-treaters? Uh, I didn't have any left. <laughs> there you go. They're all gone. Now, see, I don't get too many trick-or-treaters by me anymore, so I think this whole comic book thing is much better than me having to eat the three bags of candy I bought. Mm. I haven't had a trick-or-treater in 10 years at my place. Well, I mean, uh, your place, <laughs> you live up up above and behind a set of shops, so... I do. So I, if I was a, a parent... Neon arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was a parent, I would not let my kids walk up behind the shops. <laughs> Dude, people pass through my... my... Uh, driveway all the time to cut across that road. I'm just saying in 10 years, for nobody to come knocking on that door is pretty miraculous, considering how many kids I have periodically show up just to hang out on my deck because they don't think anybody lives in there. (laughs) Well, maybe they'll have kids someday. Well, they don't think anybody lives there, so that's why why they never come to your tree. Uh, it freaks them out every time I come to ask them to leave. It's so funny. I'm slowly becoming the grumpy old man. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. 
It's always like, a good. Hang. I, I bet you can't hang out for three minutes on his deck, man. You gotta do it at midnight, man. If I could do Donald Pleasant's, hey Lonnie, get your ass out of it. Yeah. There you go. I gotta like like set up some speakers, and like vocode my voice and just start like haunting them while they're on the yeah. steps. That'd be great. <laughs> Come out anyway. with an axe too. That's, yeah. that's always a good look. That's the, Where are you going? That's how you get the police called on. Yes, you. this is true. Yeah, yeah. This right. is true. Um, so, all right, Bob, back, what do you got for back us? Back to comic books. Mm -hmm. I chose as my book of the week, Hench Girl number one from Kristen Gudsnuck, and it's in print from Scout Comics, but it has been a webcomic I discovered, for, and that's at henchgirlcomic.com. Now, Steve, if you would hear, I'd have you do this in one of your uh, movie-type voices, but I'm, I'm going to take a shot at this sort of film noir-y kind of narration. All right. Crepe City, modern day. A city once glorified for the quality of their thin pancakes, now dragged to ruin by the all-out war between heroes and villains. Enter Mary Poza, the hench girl with a heart of gold. This is her story. No, here you go. We gotta have, we gotta have some jazz in the background. No, I I just picked this thing up as a whim because I had chosen this for our covers of the week. It's a really very cartoony light cover of this girl, sort of with a big money bag over her shoulder with a cross down that says laundry. She she's just very trying to be very discreet. And at first glance, it really looked like it just could be a lot of fun and so really light read. As it turned out, I thought it was a heck of a lot more than really something quite special. We're we're introduced to Mary, who works as a hench girl for the evil Monsieur Butterfly, and instantly she's become collateral damage and a dust-up between her boss and his arch-enemy, Mr. Great Guy. During, <laughs> during a bank robbery, he fries the, the butterfly buggy car she's riding in, and we discover, well, she, you know, she does have health insurance, but she has to sort of get carried to the, to the hospital by some random super being who's wandering the streets called the Mannequin, which is a pretty interesting-looking character. But, you know, she does, she has real life problems. She doesn't have a real job. And though she did apply to one of the local coffee shops, you know, have you ever been convicted of a crime? Uh, not convicted. <laughs> uh, she's concerned, her friends are concerned about the way her lifestyle is leaving her all battered and bruised. And she, look, she she gets the, the, the loot from this bank robbery and, and shows back up at the bank to redeposit it. She's, you know, she's just, kind of oblivious to all that's going on around us. Her friends really are worried. And, and Mary does say, you know, crime's not cool. It's those second thoughts really inform what's going to happen. And down the road, there's a meeting of all the bad guys, and they're plotting their next nefarious act, which is basically robbing an orphanage, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're the hench girl with the heart of gold, robbing an orphanage is just, a, just it's too much. <laughs> so she proposes something else, and that proposal doesn't quite I think I know where it's going. Uh, all I'll just say beyond that, the, it's supposed to end, I don't know how far along the webcomic is, because I don't want to get too far ahead, but the book series is supposed to end by issue 11, at least in the interview I saw with Kristen. And she was influenced, she says, by Batman the Animated Series, uh, TV sitcoms like New Girl and certainly Scott Pilgrim, all of that's in here. I also find a heck of a lot of Adventures of Superhero Girl and Nimona kind of as a cross. Okay, very cartoony, very light, but there is a real charming undercurrent of real humanity in this crazy, crazy book that is called Hinge Girl by Kristen Gudznick, and it's from Scout Comics, number one. Apparently hard to find, I'm seeing on from the internet, as hmm. people are saying, well, where do I get this? Well, you can still go to the webcomic 
and that's at henchgirlcomic.com. Bob, yes, question. Surely. What is? Oh, okay. Wait, maybe this says page. What's the first panel of the first page? First panel of the first page is a, it's a dark city. Looks like you've flown into my trap, Mister Great Guy. Okay. So it's a uh, sort of greenish tinged night hmm. scene. Yeah, I think right now you're up on the. It's the newest story that begins there. They're, yes. they're at one of their nefarious meetings of the Butterfly Gang. Okay. And by the this way, looks so cute. I think you love it. And by the way, Mariposa is a is a very good pun for those who took high school Spanish like I did, because Mariposa, M-A-R-I-P-O-S-A, is Spanish for butterfly. Okay. See what you learn around here. You do. You learn a lot. (laughs) All useless, but you learn stuff. Definitely bookmarking this. Oh, great. I can come to it. I'm intrigued to hear your review someday soon on The Misfit. So, uh, Hench Girl, number one from Scout Comics. Scout Comics. But you can find it at henchgirlcomic.com. Absolutely. All right, cool. Awesome. All right, so uh, my book of the week is Black Magic number one from Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is, I think, as far opposite of the book that Bob just talked about as it could possibly be. <laughs> but this book focuses on a police officer named Rowan Black, and she is both a great policewoman and a witch. So Good combination. She's both. Um, and the book starts out, it throws us right into a ceremony that, that she is in and she gets called away, um, you know, by her, by her job. And what I like instantly with instantly what the first page and the first couple pages does is it, it establishes for you the other life that, that Rowan leads, obviously, but also the sort of tone of the book, which seems like it's going to obviously it's going to have that very serious Greg Rucka tone to it, but it has a little bit of black humor to it mm. a, 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 as well, which which I enjoyed right off the bat. But we're quickly thrown into the plot, which is this first issue is about the fact that Roan gets called to this hostage scene, and it turns out this guy that she's never met before has requested her and her alone. He needs to talk to her. Uh, and, and the sort of mystery of it all sort of unfurls from there. And the, the issue itself is really all about setting up this character, the world that she lives in, and the sort of initial ideas of what the overall threat is going to be. Um, w- what I love about the issue is that it it's not afraid to leave things in the background, in, in, in shrouded in, in, in mystery, and to let you just sort of live within these, this, this character for, for a little while. The, the the scene is incredible. The the issue is incredibly tense. It's inc- I mean the stand the standoff, but the the meeting between this man and, and our and our and our hero is is super tense. And, and it, it's classic Rucka writing. I mean the character herself is a classic Rucka heroine in, in in the best way possible. And the art by Nicholas Scott is absolutely unbelievably gorgeous. You know almost primarily in in very muted black and white, very muted colors, except for one really, really explosive panel that, that happens where it uses color to just an amazing effect. But, I mean, the book is drop-dead gorgeous. The character, the character is so well-drawn. The emotions and subtlety on their faces are there in spades. And I absolutely love, love the first issue of the book. You also get this great prose, you know, 
prose story from Greg Rucka, which I think is going to is, is going to give history on these characters, and there's going to be a new one in each issue. Oh. Um, it's a one-page prose story. This one gives you a very, very, uh, very, very quick glimpse at ancestors of, of of our of our main character. There's like a family tree in the back of the book. There's lots of back matter involved here as well. It's obviously a very planned out, very deep story. Um, which if you've heard anything about the making of the book, you know that Nicholas Scott and Kirk have been working on it for years and years and years. So this, there's a lot to dive into here, a lot to unpack, but I absolutely adored uh, this first issue of, of black magic. Um, and from what I know now, when I, since I caught up on Lazarus here and absolutely was in love with it, I'm not going to sleep and let another myself get so far behind in another um, Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka image book. So uh, black magic number one was, was amazing. Uh, Mara, did you read it? Yes. What did you think? I loved it. It's so good. Mm. And I think I think definitely you have the right idea. Greg Rucka, you just don't let him slip by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I was lucky enough to jump on Lazarus when it came out and have been reading. New Lazarus issue comes out this week, by the way. Um, and I'm, I have a feeling that Black Magic is going to be as involved as, as Lazarus is. Um, though I think the world building is going to be significantly less. Well, but, yes, because we are at least yeah. starting from a now period. He's not yeah. yes, the whole a world. Known, a known world. Yes. I'm I'm really interested in seeing how he pulls the history of, of witches and all this stuff that I have no idea about. And um, I think his, his little insights in the back are going to be good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, did you read it? I did read it. What did you think? I, I when, when you... Um... We were sending the emails out, and I saw this was going to be your book of the week. If it wasn't yours, it would have been mine. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I'm positively in love with Nicholas Scott's artwork. This, uh, like you said, like these muted black and whites. It's almost like uh, painted charcoal with mm-hmm. with yeah. color used so sparingly like there's a little bit of color in the beginning with um some of the effects that are on the table inside of the woods and, and like and um a couple of other things but it's just layers upon layers of stuff i like there's a little nod to the wicked witch of the west uh at one point in the story which i thought was really clever and uh like you said that whole that whole interaction and that that moment between the uh i guess um the what do you call it when somebody's holding people hostage? Wait, What's the? I don't even know. Standoff, a hostage situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The kidnapper okay. is in some ways, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Hostage so, taker. A... Hostage taker. <laughs> yeah. <for> sure. <laughs> yes. The guy with the gun. Mm-hmm. The guy with the gun calling the shots, and and she walks in. That whole interaction uh, with them is is just really super tense, and I, I just I, I I loved it. I loved everything about it. It was so, I had a feeling about this when I picked it up and I saw, I saw a couple of uh, tweets about it and stuff like that. And uh, I sat down with it today and was just blown away by uh, how gorgeous and how, how intriguing the whole thing is. I love that it doesn't give so much away. I love that there looks like there's like a rich backstory uh, as far as her lineage goes and uh, it's one of those books where you can't wait to learn more about the character and find out what else goes on. And uh, I thought there's a there's actually uh, a like a, a letters page in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that says that both uh, Nicola and Greg, when they were creating this book, actually called on one of Greg's old friends who, when they were growing up, was into witchcraft. And they used her uh, journals and like memorabilia from um, all the years that she was involved in that stuff to help them write the book. And there's a little kind of like recap from her as to how she became involved in the creation of the book that I thought was really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the uh, editor, one of the editors of the book. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did not know that part. Yes. (laughs) I thought it was just a friend. No, no. (laughs) No, it's uh, Janine Schaefer, who's a a long-time editor and yeah it was marvel for me marvel years, ma- yeah. marvel for many years yeah okay yes absolutely but yeah black magic number one is, is fantastic if you're a fan of ruckus writing uh it's definitely something you can check out and and also of, of scott's art it's it's gorgeous and it's it's just what the doctor order i think especially this the season it's a good it's a good book yeah. for, for the season mm-hmm. um so yeah uh very very cool i, I recommend it to anyone who, who should everyone should check it out so that's uh that's it for books of the week. Let's talk about our shared book of the week. Um, Stephanie isn't here to talk about it to set it up. So, uh, we have it's Art Ops by Sean Simon uh, and and Mike Allred. And the, you know the the con it's a high concept, but it's it's a simple concept. The concept is that um, basically all art in the world is 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 living. They're, they're, they're those those things you see behind paintings. They exist and they can be taken out and they can be destroyed and they can be hurt. And because of that, there has to be a group that protects. The, the, those people uh, um, and protects the world from the people, the ones that are bad in that, in that group. Uh, and this is a story about that organization, especially about the son of the head of that organization who has a lot of issues w- with his mom um, and has had run-ins with the art world himself and how, you know, how those relationships have developed. And now something big has happened and things, everything has been turned on its head. And so we're going forward we don't know what, what, what it's going to be because this book is a great job of giving you a status quo and then upsetting it n- nearly mm-hmm. immediately. But that's the that's the basic premise of, of, of the book. Um, so, so uh, Steve, what did you think of uh, Art Ops? Um, I actually really, really ended up loving it. I think the setup for the story is super, super cool. It's super weird. Uh, it's all red, you know, and, and all red's just got these characters and these ways there's um there's a character inside the story called the body that uh just looks he looks like something out of daft punk and um he does mm-hmm. he, but um it's funny i was reading the book and i'm like i'm like all right this setup's kind of cool and looking at the artwork and then all of a sudden you turn the page and the book becomes so obviously mike and laura all read and then from that page on it's just like one thing after another reminding you that this like you're about to read a really weird book. I think the setup of uh, taking like known um, posers for for portraits and maybe even landscapes. We don't know if this thing is limited to just um, people in portraits and stuff that maybe they can bring places out to. Uh, I think there's really kind of no limits for as to where this can go and not to not to kind of spoil the twist, but the the twist that happens in the story is kind of making me question the reality that is supposed to be the reality that's like that's grounded and the people that we're meeting because of what happens. I'm kind of questioning as to where they came from. I know we can't say much, but if anybody's mm-hmm. catching my drift, mm-hmm. um, 
I'm intrigued. I'm I'm really super intrigued. I thought it was super weird, but um, I like the characters so far, with maybe the exception of the son. But I he's he's gonna have some growing pains with his new situation, and uh, I thought it was really cool. What about you, Bob? I loved it. Look, it's surreal. It's loopy. It's the kind of thing that Terry Gilliam might have created. And, and so there's a Python episode where the art goes on strike and they actually leave the frame. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, I, I'm sure someone was sitting around going, uh, up art, wait, art ups. And from that little weirdness, more than likely came this, as you say, wonderfully high concept. Who knew that the Mona Lisa had such snark, for instance, <laughs> she, she's the star of this book, especially when she's grocery shopping later on, which is just really, really bizarre. Characters are fun. Of course, the artwork is just gorgeous. We, it's, I guess it's it's now, mm. but we're, we're, there's a very 60s sort of vibe with this. Regina is, is certainly an Agent 99 lookalike from mm. the old Get Smart or even the newest one that Anne Hathaway was in. So there's that whole op art era going on, yet it is this weird mystery that is science fiction or fantasy or both, or as, as Steve may possibly, we may know going forward, just weird world or nothing or in someone's head. I Who knows? All I know is what's coming out of the All Reds and Sean Simon's head is something I really dug in the first issue. And this is something I'm going to want to read month to month just to see w- where this goes. I dug this a lot. Awesome. Uh, Mara, what about you? I only read this issue once. I haven't gone back to read it again. Um, so I'm still kind of in the middle of processing it. To be fair, I only told you had to read it like four hours ago. So yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go hunt it down, but yeah. you know, thank you comiXology. Um, but it took me forever to figure out what it reminded me of his arm, mm-hmm. but it reminds me of princess Mononoke. Yep. The, yes. Ah, yeah. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I do. I know exactly it's what you're talking that, about. And it gives me the creeps. <laughs> I don't want any of this art arm on me like (laughs) might infect me or something Um, but that's kind of where my mind is right now it's just like i now i just want to go watch princess mononoke it reminded me a little bit of uh, akira as well oh you know i still have not seen that i own it (laughs) you haven't seen akira we've had we've had this discussion before mara we have. We I have, have. We have. But I'm. It's still. You know what? The last time we had this conversation, I was sitting in the very spot that I'm sitting right now. <laughs> that was months ago. I know, I know. You and I were supposed to set up a challenge, an anime challenge, and we never did. Yeah. Well, I have. I have like guidelines and rules in my head right now for it. All right. Well, look. Uh-huh. I'll make you a deal on the air right here that if you watch Akira, I will watch Cowboy Bebop. Oh. Okay. Okay. I, I can do that. You know, Extra Life is this weekend, but sure. I think maybe on Sunday I can carve out some time to watch Akira. <laughs> All right, let's do it. We don't have to do it in a week. We'll, we'll put it yeah. for the month of November. You have to watch Akira at some point. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna write it down on my month view of my calendar. You <laughs> <do that. laughs> and I'm writing it in pen. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it's done. It's done. Um, it will be done. So, uh... So yeah, I feel like Mara signed up for a lot less of a time investment though than Steve just did. Because okay. <laughs> I feel like Steve yeah. signed up for a whole series and Mara signed up for a movie. No, that's what like thirteen episodes. 
the original mm. series of Cowboy Bebop? It's twenty six. Oh, <laughs> oh! So you get you get another you get another uh, movie ultimatum or thirteen episode show. All right, all right. I'll uh, I'll 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 figure something out. We'll talk we'll talk through email. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um. So anyway, art ops. I uh, I really dug it as well. I I think that you know obviously the. The all red art takes it to a, a, another level, and I think all you said about the the feeling of the '60s, really, mm-hmm. I think that comes part and parcel with, with the all red art. I think he brings that to the table because of the sort of pop sensibility of, of, of his art. Um, but I, I loved, like you said, I I love the little moments, right? So, and and the, the, there's obviously credit to the writer Sean Simon. Little moments, Mona Lisa at the grocery store, that whole sort of build up of that mm-hmm. scene. Um, you know, I I like how. I think that they're intentionally using sort of that trope of um, sort of misanthropic youth to, to their sort of established powerful parent, you know, all that kind of stuff. I feel like they, they're, they're doing that on purpose and sort of tweaking that concept mm-hmm. a lot. I thought the idea of the art arm was really funny and, and cool and interesting. And I love that he sort of is doing like a Spider-Man thing yeah. where he's like wrestling w- with it. Um and using it to 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 win money and, and sort of get through life, I thought that was very interesting. Um, you know, I like this idea. And uh, to me, there's some aspects of it, uh, like reminds me not in obviously in sort of the there's no lewd content here, but the idea of sex criminals and the fact that there's sort of oh. like this organization that exists that nobody knows about that deals in this very weird extra normal thing. But there's you know there's checks and balances on all of it and everything like that. I, I that. That reminded me of that a lot in here as well. Men in Black, obviously a similar type of thing with that. But uh, I loved it. And I thought the, the, the character of the body I thought was really fun and interesting. And uh, I loved the way that it moved. It bounced around. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into reading it. I knew All Red was drawing it. So I knew it would be great to look at. But I didn't know what it, the content would be like. And I and I loved it. Um, <clears throat> the It's funny because the what would be the normal, like, last page, like the title page, happens super early. It's not. It's yeah. not like the second page. It's like, it's like five or six pages from the end. You get like the, the sort of written by you know Sean Simon, mm-hmm. art by Mike Allred, and then you have a bunch of other pages, after that to to, to close it down, um, which I thought was interesting maneuver. I don't know why they did it that way. I don't know if it was a pacing thing. I don't know what it was, but it was very a very weird but cool thing to do. I felt like, um, and so yeah, I I enjoyed it quite quite a bit, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading it. I, it was not on my radar at all before this, and and now it, it definitely is. I'm looking forward to read it every month. Yeah. Do we have any people commenting? <clears throat> we absolutely oh, do right. have people who commented on this fine book from from Vertigo. <laughs> fine book. A fine book from Vertigo. Uh, I just have to bring up our our hashtag here. Give me one second. The Flash is trending right now. By the way, guys, just want to let you know. There's thirty one thousand tweets about it right now. Dang. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Just a little show. Just a little show. Um, let's see. All tweets. There we go. All right. All right. So this is from Jesse Bowden. says, Art Ops number one was really original. There's potential for lots of art imitating art moments. Looking forward to some colorful puns. Um, Paul I says, who's who's at Two Ply, which is an awesome yeah. name. Uh, art Ops number one by Sean Simon and Mike Allred deserves praise. It's getting for craft, but not enough props for themes. Art alive. Um, uh at Liberal Bastion, Mike says, I thought it was fine, but didn't make much of an impression. I feel like uh, Image is starting to, to 
oversaturate. Not so much a commentary on this book, but I can't see how anyone can follow all these books just too much. It's not an image book. It's a vertigo book. <laughs> so that's, that's to remember. Um, Bad Knee Groon says, uh, different and original. The art is colorful. I did enjoy it, and we'll pick up issue number two. Um, so thank you to everybody who, who wrote in about uh, Art Ops number one. Yeah, I, I will say, too, I think that, speaking of one of those, those points, I think the, the potential for famous art and the way they're going to sort of have fun with it throughout the book is really exciting. You know, the Mona Lisa itself is very exciting, so I, I, I can't wait to see what they do with, uh, with other stuff because I think that is – I always love stuff like that. In, I want uh, The Scream to make an appearance. Right, yeah, that would be like, great. Uh, American Gothic or something like that. Absolutely. I think all that stuff, yeah. it's rife for, 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 for send-up yeah. and, and for fun, so I'm, look, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. The playground for, for this, the, like, the potential is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. They wander into Salvador Dolly land or whatever. Right. I mean, think about it. Like if it comes down to like a giant battle and, and they just like, they just get everybody that they've, that's been in protection. And it's just this army of all these famous uh, characters from famous paintings, I think would be awesome. hundred mm-hmm. percent led by Washington crossing the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's my turn to, to, to pick because I didn't get to pick last week. This is true. Semi picked. Um, so you are going to be on the show next week. I'm going to be on the show. Okay, next good. Week. <laughs> so uh, I thought about extraordinary X Men number one. Obviously, we're starting a whole new X Men mm-hmm. era and what that's going to mean. But I think instead I'm going to go with uh, James Bond number one from Dynamite Entertainment. Ah. What? Uh, we have Spectre opening th- th- this week. Um, but it's written by Warren Ellis with art by Jason Masters. Um, so it's coming out from uh, Dynamite Entertainment. Right. So uh, beginning, I don't know, it's V-A-R-G-R, um, is the first story in the ongoing James Bond comic series by best-selling writer Warren Ellis. James Bond returns to London after a mission of vengeance in Helsinki to take up a workload of a fallen 00 section agent. But something evil is moving through the black streets of the city, and sinister plans are being laid for Bond in Berlin. Um, mm. There you go. So the movie opens this, week, this weekend, so we'll be, it's some nice synergy we got yeah. going on. It's a very nice cover. It looks very nice. Lots of nice covers. Yes, but I'm looking at the main cover right now. <laughs> it's a dynamite book, so it has six bajillion covers, obviously. Um, so yeah, we're going to do James Bond number one. I did not see that coming. From Dynamite Entertainment. I, I'm always trying to keep you on your toes, everybody. So... Um, <laughs> Let's uh, let's jump into talking about Death Vigil. Finally, our, yeah, our talking sejish, Stepan sejish. Um, so Bob, why don't you set up Death Vigil for us? Can you think you you, you, yeah. you can do it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, without wanting to spoil, because we're gonna get into, we'll get into it. lots of that. We're initially introduced to uh, Sam who, in trying to do the right thing and protect two young ladies from being mugged, finds himself mortally wounded, which might not be the end of his useful life, (laughs) as he's visited by a rather interesting Grim Reaper named Bernie, Mm -hmm. who is a oddly garbed, white-haired woman carrying the usual accoutrements of, of the position, and she offers him a chance to continue as part of the death vigil who protect the living and the dead from those beyond. And they have their own sets of enemies and necromancers and people trying to break the walls down in between. 
we have all that sort of fantasy stuff, and it's wonderful and charming and beautifully written and drawn. And what we have really here is a family comedy drama that is something beyond what you would anticipate a fantasy horror book to be. Mm. And for those who are fans of that sort of storytelling, that's all great. If you want fantasy and horror and monsters and big fighting and stuff, that's here. If you're looking for something layered and relatable and human, that's all here too. This is a this is a masterstroke, and I'm so thankful that we had people hype us to this because the hype was true. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, my expectations of what Death Vigil was originally and what it actually is are com- two completely different things. So when I first heard about it, first saw images from it, you know, I expected the story to and and the idea of it. It felt like I don't know. I, I had some idea of it being like. An '80s metal cover yes. brought to life, mm-hmm. like that's what I that's what I saw yeah. from like the very few images I'd seen. And w- w- one of the reasons why I hadn't been initially very interested in it, and you know, obviously over the over the year we've we've read and seen a lot of um, Mr. S's work, and <laughs> over over that time, you know, I've grown to know his art and, and his sort of storytelling way to be something totally different than that. So by the time I actually read Death Vigil, I knew it wasn't going to be that, but I still had really no idea. What I what I was in for, because um, I had really avoided, you know, most of what, most of talk about it. You know, I, I had sort of just known that it was great, and I was I knew I was going to read it when it came out in trade. So I just sort of never really dived into anything that was there. And what I came away with was something that reminded me very heavily of, uh, you know, uh, the 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 kind of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer sort of universe mm-hmm. and, and that world and the interaction between those people and. And was a bit a big focus on family and uh, interpersonal relationships and what it means to depend on other people and you know uses the sort of big otherly world threats as ways of communicating sort of very simple messages about people and, and, and friendships and families, um, all the while having obviously completely gorgeous art. It's unbelievable looking. Um, it deals with crazy situations and crazy big scale but does so in a really really exciting and different ways and i'm used to seeing because most comic books deal in huge things but mm-hmm. this does it in a way that you know I, i've never really seen before um and you know what i took away from it and i talked to you a little bit but when i was kind of halfway through reading it and i said you know we were talking about the book and i was mentioning characters name and i was saying sam and clara and bernadette and one of the things that often goes by the wayside for me reading comics is I have a tough time having names stick with me. And just in this book, two issues in, I knew the names immediately, you know, and, and I didn't even have to reach deep to access mm-hmm. them. And, you know, often I'll read an issue of something and by the time I'm thinking about it an hour later, I don't remember the names of, of the characters that, that were in it. And this has characters that I, I loved and and attached to, so they became memorable almost immediately. Oh, you're engaged from the first panel. Yes. It's already you want to know more about these people. Yeah. And you see the parallels between, I don't want to give too much away, let everyone talk, (laughs) but characters rise and fall within the ranks of the group Mm -hmm. in ways that mirror each other and how they, they then relate in that way. So, yeah. Good stuff. Absolutely. Mara, uh, What's your thoughts uh, kind of overall on Death Vigil? Um, well, I want to say thank you to Maria Norris <laughs> for telling me to drop everything and read this. 
I guess I jumped in around issue five and then just started picking it up when it came out. The thing that stuck out most to me about this series, I've, I've been trying to try it a lot more um, indie comics this past year. Um, I'm about to, I'm actually in the middle of putting together my, my first pull list column. I'm bringing it over to Talking Comics Ooh. from Geek Girl Pen Pals this month. I'm pretty excited about that. So a lot of what I do is check out these new comics that are introducing new worlds and how things are structured. And it, a lot of them can be very confusing. And Death Vigil really, I don't know if it's the tone that makes it accessible or that it's, it's just so engaging because of the characters, but it doesn't have that same problem that a lot of these fantasy high concept kind of comics do. And, and that's kind of the, the best selling point of, of Death Vigil, that it's engaging right from the beginning without leaving the reader behind. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's not about its high concept, right? It, it uses its right. high concept as, you know, it's, it's the story, but much like when you read, when you, like when you read, let's say, even superhero comics have their problems, but you're a superhero comic, it, it, the, it movies, the, it's not about like, this guy got bit by a spider and, and this, the thing's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's about the character and it just happens that these things are happening around them. And, and Death Vigil is similar to that in the fact that, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening and, there's, and there is a lot of lore that, that exists in, in this world, but it's very smart about having its main character be someone who's new um, to the world and it's able to bring you in in, in organic ways. Even smarter, the fact that it all it actually uses a character that is established in the universe and a new character, character to take you through those first couple of issues. The way it mirrors Sam and Clara's story, um, you know, it, it kind of drops that in, in the middle and then sort of kind of bows back together at the end again. But the, the first the first two issues or so when it's doing that, it really helps to reinforce to you lore, but in a way it's through the character. So you're not, it's not about like, guess what? There are demons and, and there are people like that, that. That's given very little lip service in the book, right? It's, it's really just into these characters and how they exist and, and who, the, and who they are. And I think that it's very important. And that's like you said, Mara, the thing that other books I think get hung up on is mm -hmm. they're so obsessed with their concept that the first issue, even though it might be about great characters down the line, the first couple issues are all about look at my cool concept and, yes. and and this is not really what death vigil is about death vigil is like i have a cool concept but it's really about these characters in in the forefront and the we, concept comes later yes yeah. and we get some huge blocks of exposition yes which normally you would say ugh except it's delivered with this dry wit mm -hmm. that's oh you know we kind of heard this before mm -hmm. this snarking at each other <laughs> yeah. as it goes on and it is just very, very winning because mm -hmm. of that. It plays on the idea that we're gonna we're gonna roll our eyes too. Well, yeah, yeah. So there it is. Yeah, I mean, just look look that that, that the opening the the James sequence when he's oh, kind so of scary. He's showing, but when he's showing yeah. um, Clara, he does his little card trick, right? And he, yes. and he he puts them all out there. But you see, you actually you really see that yep. scene twice. You you get that scene twice, um, and. It doesn't matter because, A, it's visually beautiful, right? It's very interesting. It's very dynamic. The idea of it's very cool. But other than that, you get the scene twice. So you get that lore twice without even thinking about it. And it just sort of sticks in your head even though you're not really being forced 
to deal with it. And I really like that aspect of the book quite a bit. Um, yes. So Steve, uh, uh, a few weeks ago you had read it and we kind of put it on hold because we were going to be doing sort of this bigger discussion about it. Um, what are your sort of, you know, overall thoughts about death vigil? Um, well, I mean, it's just a, it's a really, really amazing. I would even call it an achievement in comic book making that this all came from one person. The, uh, one of the, the the things that I've taken away from lately reading a lot of uh, Stepan's work is that he does this thing with his characters where he'll create several panels within just one moment where he'll take like even like you sometimes have to like bend the page a little bit to see the whole thing. I don't know if mine's just bound weird, but like the facial expressions that he that he has in, in things that I've seen in Sunstone and Aphrodite and now with Death Vigil, it tells so much. And even in the short time that you spend with people, it's like Clara. Like like Clara's introduction to the story, she's, you know, on a date with, with a guy and it, it, it goes bad for her. But just in the moments where they're sitting down to dinner through their conversation and, and through kind of her her actions and everything. I was very endeared to her immediately. And I mean, you're talking like four pages worth of content. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of talent to make that happen for the, the thing that happens to them kind of be devastating and, and set the pace for the rest of the book. Uh, I love the snark that comes from uh, the characters, especially uh, Bernie, the death character. She's got some lines towards the beginning of this book that are just amazing, uh, particularly the one where she's yelling at Clara and pointing towards a statue of death and being like, I look nothing like that. <laughs> you need to calm down. Like she's, she's, in, she's insulted mm -hmm. by her shock. And I just, I love that, that the fact that she's incensed given who she is, I think is hysterical. Um, like you said, there's a lot of Buffy in here. There's even a lot of, um, like if you have like those uh, Marnos I'm talking about, like like the party animes or yes. like the, the demon hunter or vampire hunter animes where it's a large group and they have like the one person that they defer to who's kind of, you know, in the shadows and can, can be there whenever they need. And kind of one of the hooks is that you can actually call out to this person and they'll join you in battle should things mm -hmm. get too hairy. And um I just thought it was I, – I think it's amazing when you have a book that has this many characters in it. There are a lot of people in this group that everybody is given their moments to shine. Everybody in their own way is a laugh riot and you get a real sense of family and the, the sometimes hundreds of years that they've been together. You can feel that in the stories that they tell about each other and the way that they work together to do what they do. Um, I think the threat – that is opposing them. The fact that they're kind of like them in a way makes it a little bit more interesting than if they were just all evil all around, like the person um, on, on, I guess the evil side has their own motivations for doing what they're doing. And it's, it's a very could be considered a noble thing to want to do. Of course, those things never go right, but you know, I could kind of relate to, to, to her position and could see why they would go through so much trouble to, to 
give grief and, and kind of enact their plan and, um, you know, opposing uh, Bernie and Sam and, and, and everyone else. And um, I just think it's brilliant. It's one of those things that, like I said, coming off of Sunstone and some of the other stuff that Sejic has kind of a little bit of something for everyone at this point. Like you, if you want romance, you can give somebody Sunstone. If you want to do the Buffy thing, you can hand them Death Vigil. And the fact that these are like eight oversized issues in this gorgeous trade paperback that just there's there's just a kaleidoscope of colors and characters and story on every single page in this. But there's not a there's not a boring page in this entire book. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I you know I could keep going on and on about it, but I mean so much has been said. The creatures are ridiculous. Also, yeah. yes, it was just look at giant monsters. There are plenty of those. Yeah, there's too. a lot of plenty yeah. of giant monsters. A lot of obviously. Well, you can see the Lovecraft's, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, inspiration there. Some, you know, H.R. Geiger st- stuff in there as well. Um, you know, one of the cool things about it too is that all of our g- main characters who are good guys all have white hair, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's really tough in comic books when you make characters so similar looking to make them distinct, and yet he manages to make every single character distinct. Visually, with yes. even with white hair, the the costume designs, the, the you know the, the the body types, the looks, they all have enough of a difference and all have enough of a of a, of a range that you get personality, even with a major asp- a major differentiating factor between drawn characters to me is the color of their hair. Sure. So the fact that you, you do that in in a, in a book like this, I think, is is an achievement as well because it's tough to differentiate characters and to do it both with personality and with look. But put, putting yourself with that constraint, I think, is, is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, one of the highlights for me, we were mentioned, I mentioned the creatures before. Uh, like I said, when I was reading Aphrodite and there were these giant, like, Matrix-like techno beasts and stuff like that coming into this. This is more of, like, the like you said, the Lovecraftian D&D, almost like Giger type of uh, monsters. And it's just insane. And also... Um, one more relationship within the story that I thought was really special uh, were the kids mm-hmm. that are featured. Like part mm-hmm. of the group, there are there are two kids, and um, one of the highlights of reading The Walking Dead for me for a really long time was the relationship between Carl and the the little girl. I, th- I can't remember her name. Sophia. Sophia. Oh, oh, the Walking so, Dead. Okay, so. Yeah. So in the in you know Robert Kirkman's mm-hmm. comic book version. They're together for a very large portion of those first hundred uh, issues. And to me, their perspective on the zombie apocalypse was one of the most compelling aspects of that entire story of just watching all the adults around you that are supposed to be in charge and supposed to be making the good decisions for the group are kind of tearing each other apart. It just it just provided a very interesting perspective for what was happening around them. And I think it does the same here for a death vigil. And I found that, that to be highly entertaining and they, they're total, you know, bros in a sense, uh, between sharing their love of video games. They, I, I found them to be very relatable, uh, in that way. And I thought it was really sweet that you get, uh, plenty of glimpses of them having fun amidst all of this horror that's happening around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mar, what do you think of the, the villains in death vigil? Uh, I really liked Maria. I thought that she made kind of a good, well, like for the majority of this volume, we kind of 
saw her as the one kind of directing things because mm-hmm. we didn't see the big bad guy yet. Right. <laughs> um, but the necromancers, I liked seeing the different types come out. And I think Steve was on to something when he said, like, this is kind of your, um, I mean, it reminded me a little bit of Bleach. We had a team ah, of people. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And yes. the hollows slash the necromancers where you have, each one has like a little bit of a different thing going on, but they're all somewhat connected. I thought that was cool. Mm. And, you know, it was just one of those things because I read Sunstone and Death Vigil. I started both of those at the same time. I'm like, the same guy is doing both of these? How yeah. in the world can he, you know, draw BDSM romance and then go draw these primordial beasts? <laughs> I mean, it was just like, okay, sign me up. I started reading Switch when it came out. I mean, I'm just going to follow Sajic wherever he goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I... I I, I, the bad guys are great because they give you both kinds, right? They give you Maria, who is a sympathetic bad yes. guy. You know, she is someone who is doing something that maybe we would all do if we had the chance to do it, right? That she thinks she's doing it for the right reason. I mean, she has a vindictive reason for doing it, but her thing is born out of some sort of love, right? And mm-hmm. then you have the necromancers and you have sort of these old ones and, and this sort of, you know, this vast network of power that's trying to take back the, the, the world. And they are just hundred percent bad guys. There is no, there is no gray area mm-hmm. with like, you well, know, with the gallows I- and, and abyss and those, and those people, you know, they just people, I'm not even people. Right. <laughs> they just want to take over the world and return it to the primordial, god world that it, that it once was um and i love i love that they have that dichotomy between the two sections of the bad guys because it makes it it makes it you get you get that pure fun of just evil evil and then the more dynamic more deep angle of someone who is evil but has been driven there um by wanting to be good and by an emotion that is so good sorry mara i think you were you were trying to say something i was gonna say um what about anna who was um kind of a necromancer, baby necromancer, and then Clara. She's the one Clara cleanses, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was it was kind of revealed that mm, like she didn't really fully understand what she was getting into. Yeah, and I, there is that aspect of it throughout the whole book, right? Where But the big bad guys. Yeah, yeah, that's the big line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then we can see in the re- the reflection of Maria and Alicia in Heinrich and Mia. Yeah. Where they have similar tracks mm-hmm. but end up in a different place maybe right maybe maybe because there's a fly in the ointment in wolf yeah i, I lo- and i love <laughs> again we're talking about the fact that we're talking about this very deep dark serious stuff i love the running joke of heinrich always taking his shirt off yes yeah. <laughs> i think that joke yeah. is hilarious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just couldn't wait to take your shirt off could, could you <laughs> like, it's so hard to fight with my shirt on <laughs> yeah well, you it's itchy the same. Yeah. i thought all those jokes were, were great i loved the aspect of the the veil rippers and how they were distinct for each person and how you had to learn to use them. And, and I love that you have the fact that this character of Sam who has been doing it for a while and by all accounts is like one of the, the top people in her, in like in the organization or whatever, but doesn't really know how to use the thing that he has. You know, he, I hit stuff. I hit stuff. Is all yeah. he does, <laughs> but and it gives this character another wrinkle that you don't expect. Cause when you first see the character, you see the character at the beginning and, you, you, you know, he goes through this transformation. But when you see him for the second time, 
he's like you know he's got like a you know, no sleeves on he's got like you know he, he looks like a like he's on a cover of a metal album you know, well, he's a got metal a heavy, band. his heavy metal band t-shirt yes. on because your outfit and your weaponry is based on your memories and whatever yes. so that's yeah, it's the yeah. band he followed or whatever yeah and a big burly guy and you expect him to be like sort of yeah. like a, Conan or a, something. yeah yeah exactly yeah. and he's not he's this really sensitive sort of deep person who has a lot going on and who has a lot of insecurities and, and has a very big heart. And I, the whole book plays against your expectations of what you think these people are, are going to be. I mean, Maya in a nutshell is that right. She's this yeah. adorable little girl who turns into this like giant terrifying monster with snark with snark. Yes. <laughs> well, that moment is um, awfully tough calamari as she bites into Cthulhu. Yeah. basically. <laughs> The, like the, this is not a spoiler. I mean, it happens, but she comes to this portal and she's like, "Who wants some Girl Scout cookies?" Yes, yeah. <laughs> as she's transforming into this giant monster, and all that stuff is great. You know, I laughed a bunch. I was very into the story, and a lot of these, there's a lot going on, right? And so, and, it, and there's a, and through these eight issues, there's a lot of stuff building up, and there's a lot to pay off at, at the end. There's a lot of relationships to deal with. There's a lot of overarching plot to, to resolve. And the book doesn't get squished underneath the mm-hmm. weight of any of it. It does a very good job of of landing w- what it's going for and gives you a giant, big, huge payoff to the stuff that's been building up, both emotionally and, and um, action wise. Because the, the last battle is is fantastic, but it's 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 great. I, it, it, the whole the whole beginning from beginning to end, it just works a hundred percent. I think. Um, do we know if we're getting an issue nine yet? We I don't think we do, right? We okay. it's open ended enough that yes, there are lots of other stories to tell. Well, he wants to do no, he wants to keep going, right. and it, it's all going to be. My understanding is how this sells. Yeah, it, well, okay, it, that's what I thought. It better sell really well because it deserves to sell really yes. well. I need, I need closure. I need Sam to figure out his his um his uh, grave ripper. things. Yeah, Michelle <laughs> and Pick. I need him to figure out like. What's got, their real purpose? He's got zombie Vikings. Come on, <laughs> zombie there's... Vikings. But I mean, that came later. Yeah. yeah, you you have a tantalizing look at what they could mean and why he has them. He finally yeah. remembers why he has them, at least, which is I think is very interesting. Um, and I love like Clara's power that she eventually sort of develops. I just love the whole concept behind it. It's very, it's full of creativity it's full you know it's full of creation and i love that about the character um but i love that they layer her with mystery as well there's something about her that is different and and they yeah. don't and they and they they wait a really really long time to to pay that off so it's really yeah. nice yeah especially in the climactic battle without yeah spoiling anything, there's yeah. that moment where ooh, yeah ooh, exactly this, this is what they're talking about before isn't exactly it? yeah know. exactly um and it, she and sam have a lovely back and forth mm-hmm. constantly that pays off in a, in a way that you don't quite expect. There's, there's a line of hers that I'm not going to ruin here mm-hmm. that leads into then something else. But there's there's some jealousy as she begins to develop other powers because Sam can't, as Mara said, can't mm-hmm. find his. Yeah. And she's all of a sudden all over the place doing weird stuff with rocks. and Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think part of me expected all the time for there to be something nefarious under the surface about Bernie, right? I, I, I expected there to be something, you know, there was some sort of, um, you know, she was too commanding, too commandeering, too, you know, th- there was some, you know, all this, and there, mm-hmm. there is stuff in her past that she's done that probably isn't great, but I love that that wasn't the case, that, that, she, that 
that she is what she appears to be. And, and I like that about a, a lot of the characters. And I like that we don't deal a lot with squabbling or petty jealousies. You know, there is jealousy and, and you mentioned with Sam, but there it doesn't break down to these long no. scenes of people arguing there and people backstabbing each other. That stuff does exist in, in the story, but it exists in sort of the older characters and in the characters that are a little bit outside of the, the vigil itself. Um, and I liked that. I liked that we didn't have to deal with these characters who are hurting themselves. No, no, Sam's jealousy takes the form of, I'm not talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Gets a little snit on and walks yes, away. Yes, absolutely. And I did really like uh, Huggin. Is that how you say his, yes. his name? That that bird was 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 pretty cool. <laughs> Especially a little later. Yeah, that stuff I yeah. can do is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I really like that stuff a lot. Um, but all all the characters were really well drawn, even the ones that got less time i think marlene probably gets the least time of anybody but still really interesting and really dynamic and cool powers and and gets their time to shine which i thought was great kill squad's fun yes Choco and vlado very Choco and vlado <laughs> yeah. are very cool you get very little of them but the idea behind them is cool the one that can see through walls one that can shoot through walls well, um, what a team it's a good, very good team <laughs> very good team um very very cool uh do anybody have any non-spoiler stuff they want to talk about before we move on steve uh, no, not necessarily. I think we covered a lot of, of what that book has to offer. Cool. Uh, Mar, anything not spoiler you want to say about Death Vigil? Um, go ahead and go read it now. Yes. Yeah. If that's, you haven't already. Yes, that's the takeaway from all of this. <laughs> if you have not read Death Vigil yet, stop listening now. Go and pick it up and read it. Um, it's well worth the money. It's well worth your time. It is a excellent, excellent book and, and one that I think um, you'll be talking about for months to come after you finish reading it, and one that you'll be passing along to other people to to, to read as yeah. well, because it's really it really is a special special book that that everybody should read. Um, so yeah, so this is your last warning about about not hearing anything about Death Vigil. I don't know how long we're going to talk about it, so I'm not going to say tune out, come back in. Basically, it's going to be this in the end of the show, so you don't have to worry about missing anything. Yeah. You know the spiel at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. Um, make sure you check that out. Check out all our podcasts as well. Bevies. Bevies Bevy of, of podcasts. Yeah. I'll do this spiel again. The full yeah, thing after yeah, this yeah. is over. But, and if you're tuning out now, please, 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 please um, go to our Extra Life page and donate. Um, it's for a great cause. Anything you can help, anything you can give will help. Um, help the Children's Miracle Network, and then watch us play some video games o- over the weekend. Um, I- I'm going to be streaming all of Sunday. I know I know, Mara is, is playing some handheld games, correct? I'm going to be tweeting it, yes, yes, because I can't stream Pokemon on my DS. <laughs> you could periscope <laughs> it, Mara. Well, I'm not I'm not that hip yet. I'm just going <laughs> to do Twitter. People can find me on Twitter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but you know, we're all in the Talking Comics team, so make sure you, you, you donate and, and and let's uh, let's raise some money for s- some children. So if you're tuning out now, that's my that's my my pitch for for extra life. Now let's talk about Death Vigil um, in, in some in some spoilery territory. So um, I want to know wh- what did everybody think of the sort of I, I guess the whole meat of the the plot of, of you know, and I'm by plot I mean the plot of the bad guys, right? So mm-hmm. this idea of um, you know. This Maria, who has lost her 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 daughter, um, and is trying to get her back, we find out obviously that it's not her daughter. It's this what is it the the thorn? Yes, who, who is one of the big primordials? One of one of the big one of the big 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 bads to attach itself to this and is going to come through when when Maria mm-hmm. performs this ritual, um, and how she sort of uses sort of 
the Wolf, who is a former member of the Vigil, and tries to use Heinrich. What do we think of that whole sort of grouping of stuff that, that was happening? Well, I think what you have going there is just classic backbiting among a, a cadre of bad guys. She has she has her agenda. She thinks she can overwhelm one of the primordial beings of all time in the mm. abyss, who is that, as Mars says, this huge, hideous mm-hmm. creature. He has his own, I, I, might be a he, it's mm-hmm. an it, we'll just, yes. it's, an, it's an it, thinks he can get over too. We've got Gallows who thinks, I can play both ends against the middle a little bit. So you're you're left with, as you say, w- with Maria, maybe she's noble at a certain level, but not what it's going to, she thinks if she has this, the, the Reaper's Scythe that she can do something about all this. No, you can't. You, you can't make the deal with that devil. So it's fun watching how that plays itself out. I thought it was really very well handled. Yeah, and, and I, I like the way that by using the rules of the story that they've laid out for other things, and, and especially with that, we, you mentioned, Mara, that necromancer who gets sort of cleansed by Clara, you know, she's sort of seeing her mother and her mother is telling her to do things and it's obviously not really her mother, it's whatever, or like Dima has attached itself to her. Um, and they communicate that with the the daughter as well later on. But I, I love the way that they sort of leave it open for a while. You don't know, you know, that, that the daughter is anyone else but just like a spirit of, of the daughter. Mm-hmm. There's some nefarious, you think it's nefarious, but you're, you don't know, you know, and, and I, I love how it uses its rules without specifically telling you, you know, what, what what's happening. Um, part, part of me felt like the daughter didn't exist at all. Right, yeah. Like it was just some illusion from the very beginning to mm-hmm. set up maria and you know by proxy wolf for service to the abyss Mm -hmm. right right although you know it could she could have been real instead of just some sort of imagination right uh, prior to her quote-unquote death yeah i mean i think that body was there's a body right Mm -hmm. i at one point someone says they can't see her yeah but that her outfit is the hospital gown because it's the only thing she's ever known Mm -hmm. leads me to believe she was perhaps born brain dead mm-hmm. or something and has now lived the entire life connected to machines. Mm. So it's a soulless vessel yeah. that can be completely taken over. Yeah. Yes. Primordial. Yeah. No soul or anything. Like that. that was yeah. the whole point of that was it was that, that the soul of her was totally gone. And I think that's what Bernadette is kind of saying when she, mm-hmm. in pers- when she encounters her finally, um, you know, that was the part I was most worried about with the book. Honestly, I thought like, I don't know how they're going to resolve and pull off all of this complicated stuff that's going on here and i think they did a very good job of it see, see what did you think of sort of that the whole idea of that the, the thorn do you, well first of all do you think the daughter was ever real for one, for one thing and what do you think of kind of how they pulled off that sort of switcheroo with with the daughter all right i'll be honest with you i read this about three weeks ago so some <laughs> of the finer details that you guys are all talking about are i they're lost on me <laughs> i'm flipping through the book trying to get a bearing on where you're talking about and i can't find it so much happens in this book um but do i think that she was real mm-hmm. um i would hope so i would think so what do you think you think maybe she was just a tool like a means to an end or maybe something that was planted in her mind yeah, I think that Mara, that's what you got. Your what I, they do it sort of like an illusion, an illusion that yeah, was sort of planted in her mind by this kind of greater beast to to drive her to do what she did because she was the only one who could. That's the, right. Encrypt the, that's the text. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that aspect. Now that you say that, now yeah. I'm rethinking my answer. Yeah. You think maybe like, I don't even know what you would call them, the hollow or, or what would you call it? Like, the main bad guy or, or the, the abyss. The, the abyss. abyss. Yeah. The abyss. Yeah. So you're saying that in order to bring about the events that maybe they planted the memories uh, or the idea of the child in her mind in order yeah, to, to give be. her the motivation to yeah. do what she did. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think that's why the abyss wasn't so taken aback when she demanded the scythe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, mm, okay, sure. Like he saw it coming. Right. Like he knew that was part of the deal. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I, I don't. It's it's interesting because because there's a whole stuff with Wolf, right? Where because Bernard asked Wolf, like, can you see her? Do you mm-hmm. and He's like, no, but I, I trust, you know, Maria. And he's sort of also driven to, to where, to, to basically madness at this point by what he perceives as a slight from Bernadette not saving the little girl. And I love sort of the revelation because, I mean, you, you, obviously you like Bernadette. She's a great character and, and you, you love her, but you assume, like, you know, she's also, the, she's also death. So there's got to be a coldness to the fact that, like, when someone's time to die, it's, it's their time to die. As with Heinrich. Yeah. And Mia. Same yeah. idea. And that's why Wolf thinks he can bring him across. Exactly. Into, into really betraying them. Yeah. But then when uh, it's Clara gets into the memories mm-hmm. and starts to pull out from Heinrich what really happened, now there's a different story. Right. And there's a little bit of a smackdown, including a little like, what? what's yeah. wrong with you? Um, yeah. Just as a little aside, super quick, there's a moment uh, towards, I think it's in the even in the first issue, when um, Bernie asks Clara to shut her eyes because she doesn't want to, she doesn't want her to see her in those moments. Mm-hmm. And we get kind of like two or three um, blank panels where you just hear what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, very, very cinematic. I mean, the whole, the whole book is cinematic, but that in particular reminded me of something that you would see on, on television. Mm-hmm. where the whole screen goes blank and where the whole audience is left in the dark. And I just, I love the idea that she didn't want to frighten her away and asked her to, like, you're already in a horrible enough situation. I'm not going to show you my true form or what I can become because otherwise you're not going to want to join us. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you get the payoff for that at, at yes. the end when she kind of transforms into that sort of very scary looking version of, of herself. Um, and you know the story does a great job of giving you stakes where you know you get that point where that that beast is out and you don't know if our heroes can beat him. You know you, you just don't know if, if, if it's going to happen or not. And, and I love that feeling of desperation that, that comes from there. And you you know I really thought that Maya was going to die. I, I, yes. I, I, I Every part of me thought that that was it was it for Maya. That that she was going to sacrifice herself at, to, to to save everyone else, especially after what her father kind of almost did. Um, and the fact that she didn't die, I love it, but I, it was great that I felt that sort of fear that I was going to lose a character that I loved. And that happens a couple of times mm-hmm. during the book for Sam. Yes. Especially when he's he's down to just two memories and you're seeing his mm-hmm. dad and hold my tools and it's just it's really, really touching. Yeah. Uh, with Bernie when she's held hostage mm-hmm. and the white drains from her hair and she's, she's regular Bernie again and totally depowered. And then the turnaround there it really is a hell yeah kind of moment where you're a little little tearful it's like yeah the, the family's together to do this they're all back and and then the battle starts and you're then still not sure mm. where this is going to go there are so many characters that yeah, you could lose a few but we cared so much about all of them you didn't want to lose yeah. anybody 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, it pays off all its little stuff. The idea of, you know, I think it's Marlene, right? Always trying to get the picture yes. of Bernie and <laughs> she can never do it. And the fact that we get the payoff at the end, I think is great because she can, you know, she's like, oh my God, I, I can do it. And, they, and I love it's in the middle of all of this stuff that's happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's great that, again, it's playing against expectations. It's playing against a, a genre. And, and I love that, that he does that in such a, with such a plum throughout the entire, the entire book. Um, it really is something pretty special. The book is something pretty yes. special. Um, is there any points you want to talk about, Bob? No, no, I'm just thrilled to have been turned on to this. Absolutely. Uh, Mara, anything else, any other points you wanted to bring up? Um, I did have one question. All right. Um, Bernie. Yes. She, I assume, is not the first Reaper. That's what I would assume as well. Because they had mentioned, or she had mentioned that she'd had the scythe for... I don't know how many years or, or whatever. And so it kind of made me think like, who was she before and how did she get it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that was kind of an unanswered question throughout the book. And I'm hoping that, you know, as we go on, um, as this first volume sells, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of copies mm-hmm. that Let's we hope. get that backstory, that yeah, look yeah. at, you know, her first days. And seeing how the story was told here, you're going to see it backwards and playing out forward at the same time. Mm-hmm. Her dynamic mm-hmm. with her family and with Sam and so on. I, I loved her line, uh, seriously, Sam, if you die, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of what this is all like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, it's your best family barbecue and everyone giving each other a little poke in the ribs and everyone knowing everyone's weak spot and what they love and how it all can swirl together into something really much different than what any of us thought this was going to be coming in. Right. And we get a nice uh, carry moment at the very end. Yes. Mm-hmm. To propel us into the next uh, into the yeah. into the next volume, hopefully. You know but, what I really loved? In the very, very beginning when uh, we like the, the opening scene on the second page and we meet Death for the first time first time, she goes, Really? Who? Is it obvious, Sam? I'm yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm here because <laughs> I'm in dire need of some elves. <laughs> like by the second page this, you know, this dark, bloody, gothy, you know, uh, back alley book that you've that you've purchased and, and opened all of a sudden lands this really hysterical joke from death herself and kind of sets the tone to let you know that, you know, despite all that other stuff, that there's going to be yeah. some really solid humor, um, you know, showing up throughout the, the pages of this book. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it, again, about the kind of the first couple of pages, when we we are introduced to and quickly are away from right Clara's really shitty boyfriend yeah, who good kills old John. her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know they play out that conversation and then I, I think it's issue seven, mm-hmm. issue right eight, whatever yep. it is. We go back to him. She sort of like regets it, you know, reinitiates his memories, kind of cleanses him, and we see the other side of that conversation where he thinks his fa- his dead father is speaking to him and. It's very cool to get that kind of bridge between a first issue and a last issue. It's not something you see that often. So I thought that was another thing, another detail, another little thing, another great story beat, another great character beat that is what all these things put together are what makes Death Vigil such a great series and such a great collection of, of, of eight issues. And I would desperately want more, desperately want more. But like I say about all this stuff, like if these are the only eight issues, I'll be very sad. But these are eight fantastic issues that are just 
some of the best that you're going to read. So yeah. and can be reread. Yes, There's absolutely. There's so much stuff here that we're not even getting yes. to, and that we haven't even discovered yet. More than likely. Yes, absolutely. So definitely read Death Vigil Volume One from Stepan Shezish. Whoever described it to us says you have to say it like Sean Connery. I, I'm, I'm yes. going with that forever, and that works for me. Yes. Uh, and as Steve said, to come from totally from one person is, is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. That all comes from one person. Um, so uh, He is uh, a well of talent. He is. Yeah. He absolutely is. Um, like I said a little bit earlier, if you want to get in touch with us, at Talking Comics on Twitter, the podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. And Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. If you guys read Death Vigil and you want to, I would, we'd love to hear about it. So send us messages at any of those places yeah. so we, we know what you thought of, of Death Vigil. Um, and thank you again to everyone on the forums who wrote in and, 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 and urged us to read it because it really has opened up a great, a great thing for yeah. us. Um, uh, our bevy of podcasts are Talking Movies, Talking Games, uh, The Misfits, Talking Shoujo, and of course, Talking Ooh. Valiant. Um, all new podcasts every week. Um, every day of the week you could possibly want, you have a podcast to listen to. Um, every day that ends in Y. Has every a day that ends in Y <laughs> has a podcast for you to listen to. That has it's from our our little our, our little collective. Um, please go and support our our extra life campaign. Um, uh, we're going to be tr- getting as many people as possible from the site to, to join in and play. Um, and I know Steve's going to try to play, but he's he's got his. There's problems with Canadian internet that he doesn't want to. Oh wanna... no, I'm playing. Oh, you are all right. Oh yeah, no, I can definitely afford to do it for a couple of hours. I just can't do. I would have loved if I was home. I would have done the 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm gonna jump in on some Destiny and cool. maybe I might set up my own little thing and play uh, some Assassin's Creed. Cool, awesome, awesome. So look out for that. Um, you, should, you know, the the talking comics. Twitter will ha- will be tweeting and retweeting everyone's streams and everything like that throughout the weekend. So just you know, ch- make sure you check out for that. And even if you're not going to watch, head over to the Talking Comics, TalkingComicBooks.com, click on the Extra Life panel and give whatever you can. Um, let's really come out in force and show the world that Talking Comics it, it can fundraise for this kind of stuff because I think it's really important. Um, and uh, if you want to get in touch with any of us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on, on Twitter. Uh, Steve? I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter. Uh, Mara. At Mega Maramon. Mara, come on. Mega Maramon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and Bob. And I'm still at Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week we're doing James Bond, number one, from Dynamite mm-hmm. Entertainment. So write in with your thoughts about that using hashtag TCBO. TW and please write in any other questions or anything you want to want to ask um, with the hashtag TC Pod Mail or send it to podcast at tongcomicbooks.com um, and we will be sure to answer it. Uh, we should be back with a full cast next week. I think mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. <laughs> I can <laughs> never well. I can never be sure about about that kind of thing. <laughs> um, we had a full cast this week with Mara. No, and, I mean uh, in the seat. No, usual cast original. Oh, oh. oh OG, 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 sort of OG, <laughs> not really OG, but no, you know, the one that's been on there for two hundred and one episodes or whatever. <laughs> um, all right, so and that's gonna do it though for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Uh, Bob has something. Of course, I have something. It wouldn't be a show. If <laughs> that's I didn't the first have time in like three months you've had something. Yes, well, I it's because I didn't ask you. Yes, that's how that works. Yeah, I'm sure our friend Hugh knows this already, but for everyone else today in 1954, actually the Tuesday date, so the third, mm. the third, third, third. Anyway, 
the original Gojira, as well we know as Godzilla, premiered in Japan. So go out and watch some Godzilla movies today. Ooh. All right. Happy anniversary, Godzilla. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you still look great. All right. <laughs> like a day over 60. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. <laughs> for Steve. See you later. Bob. <laughs> and Mara. My Godzilla. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Continued. <laughs>